Rock 1069. Welcome to the Stansberry Show on Rock 1069. Today, you can win yourself some Norm McDonald tickets. We have those for you at 7.30. And corn tickets, August 2nd. Uh, they play Blossom. We'll give you those at 9.30. Starting off another week, we'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. We'll talk to him at 8, get a uh, little, little look at the NCAA tournament. I hear the NBA not so happy with the Cavaliers. We'll talk to him about that as well. Joined every morning by Matthew Fantone. How are you? Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, you know, last time we were together, felt like uh, felt like a little, uh, little zoo animal going on there. Yeah, a little... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I just said to Fanto right as we went on the air, I said, it'll be nice to do this without... Now, don't get me wrong. I like broadcasting live. I always say I like going out. I like meeting everybody listening to the thing. But when you start to do it in a restaurant at 6, 10 in the morning, and people are just like looking at you, like kind of waiting for fireworks to come from your eyes, it is. It's a little little unsettling the first couple of times out. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's a um, a comfort that we have here in the studio. You know what I mean? This is home base for us. I feel like this is kind of where we play at our best. So, no, excited to be back. Uh, even though St. Patrick's Day was a blast, man, had an absolute, you know, they got a shout out to 20 million, dude. They showed up and they showed up strong. They did. Before we get into St. Patrick's Day, uh, I, and I, I do want to recap Friday. Okay. But before I do that, okay. I got to tell you, there was something. So, Saturday night, Gene Simmons played the Agora. Right. And How I had it? kind of been like ho hum on it. I was like, okay, you know, it'll be Gene or whatever. That's kind of cool. Right. Like, I'm a huge Kiss fan, but I've seen him like, you know, 20 times or whatever it is. So I was like, all right, I, I don't know if I really care. And then I get there, and we were setting the bar up while he's doing his sound check. And I start, like, listening, and me and my buddy Tristan were like, oh, well, wait a minute. Because I thought it was all going to be, like, Deuce and Dr. Love and, like, all, like, like the stuff that you would get, like, if Kiss toured. And he came out and did, like, Almost Human... And charisma and like multiple B side songs, which was awesome. Because for a real Kiss fan, like he's never gonna, well, Kiss tours, he's never gonna play charisma. That's never going to happen. You just don't have enough time. There's like, you gotta play all the hits, right? Then you gotta get room for all of like Paul's hits. Like, you don't have enough time to go that deep in the catalog. And I've always said about legendary bands like that. That for your real fan base, you should do that. Like Kiss has done a million farewell tours. I want the here's your the real fan farewell tour. Would they get up there and play? Be, like, do get up there and play? Come on and love me. Come on and do that. Quit with like the shouted out louds and all that stuff. I understand why you have to do it to build your career to sell out venues. You play the hits. It's what radio does. You play the hits to build the masses. Totally get it. But before you wrap it up, give me the give me the, the guy who's actually your fan and not here for rock and roll all night. Give me my show. Well, and I would assume that's why he probably decided to go with that style of show. It was awesome. Because if you're going to see Gene by himself, you are a real fan. If you're right. going to Kiss, you might just be like, oh, dude, I, I remember. I know four songs. I remember the 70s and 80s. They were awesome, dude. They were great. Right. And, and, and you, and you want to be a part of that scene. But if you're going to see if you're going to see Gene solo, then, well, not solo. In 2017. Band, right. It, right. That's, that is a more, a uh, you know, a specialized show. Like, when I heard him start to break into Almost Human during the soundtrack, I was like, oh my God. And then he played Charisma. And like I said, I've seen Kiss 20 times. That's obviously a little bit of an exaggeration. But I, if I thought about all the shows, I bet it's 10. It's over 10 for sure. I've seen him over 10 times. I've never heard either one of those songs live. So that was cool. I was like, oh my God, you're going to get actually some real fan relic stuff here. 
Um, I know that he was uh, also in town for the Cleveland Comic Con. Yeah. And it seemed like that was a pretty good, uh, what do I want to say, well-attended event. It seemed like everyone had a good time. Do you know what he did there? Was that a show, too, or was that him just... He, I know he was charging a couple hundred bucks to meet him. Well, like, like everybody else at Comic Con. That's why, that's why Comic Con's a thing, is because those, all those people want to make money. Um, but... He is a huge comic book nerd, always has been, is a collector, still collects, actually, new stuff. Um, you know, they had the Kiss comic book back in the day. I'm right. sure there's some sort of a Kiss comic book now. Um, and I know his son, actually, Nick, writes and and draws uh, his own book. Uh-huh. And so, like, you know, he's got... Sometimes he'll do things like that. He'll get involved in businesses and stuff to help, you know, further his kids' careers. Must be nice to have a rich dad. Like Sophie, his daughter actually just wrote a song, and it's I, I guess for some other artist, and it's like doing really well or something. But yeah, I felt like as a fan of this band for thirty-five years, I was like, I stood up there and I heard him here. I was like, I heard stuff that I've never seen him play before. And like I've said, I've been to all that kind of stuff. I've seen him a million times. I thought it was awesome thought it was awesome but thank you again to everybody who did come out for st patrick's day it was a little bit of an interesting day and uh fantone didn't totally know what this was happening while it was happening and i kind of gave him the rundown a little bit afterwards but at the second of the two events we were at the camp brewing company and first we started the day out the tilt to kill thank you again for opening up early and uh and uh showing us you know your hospitality that was awesome uh multiple people uh you know came up to me at the broadcast and said man this is really this is a lot busier than it was last year which is good you're building every year yeah but then we moved over to to, uh, the camp brewing company noon to two and a guy was like kind of talking my ear off about some stuff which is happens. I mean, right. I, and I was, ha- and I, I don't mean to sound annoyed by it. I was having a good conversation about right. music with him, right? right? But he kept dropping little things that I didn't notice at first because you know I, well, I had a few pints, and so like I didn't think about it. And we start talking music, and he was a really big Doors fan, and like he, you okay. know, he, you know, he was getting into that. And I, you know, I've kind of always felt like I used to love the Doors back in the day, but I had a, you know, I had an interview go horribly wrong with them. And like since then, you kind of like open your eyes to it and you realize, you know what, dude, Morrison, honestly, was just a, blo- dude, he's a poet because he kept telling people he right, was. Right. I'm not sure there was anything, right? And I if mean, you do enough drugs, everything sounds like poetry. <laughs> everything. Right. You're like, oh my God, oh that my was God, so man. deep. You're really smart. Exactly. And... Then he kind of like snuck in a comment there about um, about his lifestyle, you okay. know, uh, about the fact that he's a gay man. Okay. And I was like, okay, okay, all right. And then I realized, oh, I know, oh, oh, because then he said to me, he goes, well, you know, I am a gay man, right? But I do like men who look like you. Jeez. And so I was like, oh my god, like I'm being, like I'm being hit on. Okay. And I'm not complaining. No. Okay, I'm just, you know, giving you a rundown of what my Friday was like. <laughs> I was like, you know, and honestly, I was a little taken aback. Not mad, not like, oh my God, I got to punch this dude. None of that. But there is a little, you don't think about it. You don't, you know what I mean? And like, and then it happens to you and you're like, oh, 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 I, I, I didn't think about this being a thing. Yeah, now obviously, I mean, there's going to be gay people that listen to us. I mean, we have a, sure. a, a, a very large audience. I would assume gay show in Canton. We've been called all types of people that listen to I would us. Hope so, um, but I, I, I didn't necessarily see that happening. So I guess I can understand why you were a little bit like, 
Oh, uh, this is happening as we speak. Now, I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to stereotype people, but if you saw this person, you wouldn't have thought gay man right away. Right. If you were at crew and somebody said something to you, you'd be like, okay, well, I, oh, I, the bar. You know, okay, okay. Yeah. See, I think Motley Crue. I was like, no. what does Nikki Six have to do with no, this? No, when you're at the, the at the gay bar okay. in Canton, when you're at crew, if somebody says something to you, I can understand. You right. know, then you're in that in that environment. You're in the lions then. But right. but when you know somebody just kind of came up to you and was like, now he had to have known that you're not. Yay! What did he think he was going to be able to well, get you to get you to switch sides? There? Well, apparently he, you know, he had told me he's like, you know, I'm moving. Okay, because he's not from here. He moved here and then like found us and like really likes the show, but he's moving back to where he's from. All right. And uh, I think he was kind of thinking that what would happen was is that we would have the sex. And then nobody would need no, ah. and he would move back, and everything would be fine. You know what I mean? Um, that did, for the record, did not happen. Yeah, but for as an open homosexual, you'd be the one who'd need to be moving. You'd have to be like, "Hey, I'm leaving town. All bets are off. Reg- you know, regret. We're not dealing with any of it. I'm, we're gonna have sex." I don't know. I don't know why this dude thought he was gonna be able to 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 get you to play for 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 their side. I, I don't get that. You know, it, 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 the whole thing started as a ruse of like he was like. You know, I kind of need it. You know, you've chased your dream and you achieved it. I need, you know, I kind of need a mentor that way. And he, like, started hitting me with, like, that kind of stuff. And I was like, bro, it's 1215 in the afternoon, and I've got a beer in my hand, and I got, like... And no 401k. Like, you do, <laughs> I'm not, dude, I day drink and I don't have savings. I'm not the mentor you need. Yes, Stansbury, you chased your dream and now I'm going to my chase dream and now, now I'm gonna, of you. I'm going to talk you to the ground and mount you in the Jeez. brewing company as my dream unfolds. Jeez. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say I was uncomfortable because I really no. wasn't because that stuff's happened to me before, but it's just, you know, it just, I didn't think of it because, like I said, and I know you can't always judge a book by you know its cover, and that should really be how that saying right. goes. You can't always do it because sometimes you can't, right? But like when I saw him, you wouldn't have thought homosexual man the moment you saw him. And it took me a little while, like I said, because dude, that cascade, like the brewing company's got a little strong. You know what I mean? So I had the hops in me, and I like I wasn't I wasn't like thinking so straight. And I just kept nodding through some stuff, and he had gotten, but like, and I will say, I, I'm not, I'm a little ashamed about this part. So like, once we, it was like out in the open, you know, and he kept drilling me with the doors. Jeez, I should probably, geez, change, geez, you know geez. what, honestly. I'm not thinking so straight once it's all out in the open, and then he keeps drilling me. Sorry. God, bro. Sorry. I didn't think about it. It's Monday. I'm sorry. I'm tired. I didn't think about it. You're right. That was yeah. there was a better All way right. to word that. All right, here we go. But he kept hitting me with, you know, the doors thing. Okay. And to get myself out of the situation, I started to like really trash the doors. <laughs> I was like, well, if I just make fun of his idol, if I just tell him Jim Morrison sucks like 15 times, it'll leave maybe you know he'll stop hitting on me. I did not see all this happen, dude. You, you were ca- standing. <laughs> that just gives you like the awareness of Phantom. He was 15 feet away from this. And I kept like looking over at you. Yeah, you are bad at like the public. Like, let's be on the same team. Like nonverbal. Like, bro, stay with me here. Like, like help me. You are bad at that. You probably wouldn't have piped up until the guy grabbed me by the hand and walked me outside. <laughs> Well, it's not a heck like this was a sexual assault going on. This was just a, a gentleman who fancied himself some Stansberry.
which is all right, fellas. It's uh, you know, it's all right. <laughs> I clean up nice, even though I had the same clutch hoodie on that I've had on for six months. All right, we have Norm McDonald tickets for you. We also have uh, corn tickets for you. We'll talk to Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. We'll do that at 8 o'clock. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, not so great for everyone. A poor woman in Cleveland had a, an awful incident happen. We'll uh, fill you in on that next on Rock 106.9. And it's Rock Station, Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9, 9.30. Get hooked up with a pair of corn tickets as they play Blossom August 2nd. We'll get you hooked up with those. It's a good show, too. It's not just corn. You got Stone Sour on there, Yellow yeah. Wolf. Yellow Wolf's part of that? Yeah. Party with that dude after an Agora show once. Good times. Good fun stuff. Dude, uh, I hear an NBA uh, team, yeah. the Pelicans, yeah. took Quinn Cook off the charges' hands. Uh, I heard he tend- signed a 10-day contract. Congratulations to Quinn Cook. Uh, yes, but no longer on the Canton charge. Is now a, uh, an official member of the Pelicans. Kind of bums me out. It's the NBA D-League, nah, dude. That's the way it works, it's right. The bittersweet moment there of, like, you know, you, you want these guys to go on and make millions of dollars because, you know, I, I feel like, what do I want to say? I feel like they're my guys. I feel like there's, like, yeah, these well, are my dudes. Not only that, but if you continuously have guys who then make the leap going in the NBA, it helps legitimize the D-League itself. Yeah. Yeah, oh, certainly, certainly. What will now be uh, eventually the G League because Gatorade spent a bunch of money on it. So, again, that's going to legitimize the league. Starting next year, um, uh, it was, it was uh, you know, I don't want to say funny, but so I was there Saturday night. Um, warm-ups were going on, you know, kind of we're getting everything ready, getting ready to go. Quinn Cook, he's out there playing, getting ready to go. And, like, ten minutes later, I'm like, Yo, where'd Quinn Cook go? I mean, they yank you like that, right? Like, it was, it was. I mean, the guy was literally in his. He was in his uniform. Like right? He was ready to go. He was ready to play basketball. And they're like, Ah, hey, by the way, dude, you're not playing tonight. No. So does he like leave the venue at that point? No, or? he stayed. I mean, he stayed and watched the game. I mean, they could have called him and told him, Yo, you, we want you to get on a plane right now. But he, I guess, had time. And to so watch then the you game. can't play that. No, because you got to think once they if you sign twist you, an ankle. Exactly, dude. Something like that. It's something is. Is, you is, plant the knee wrong or something, yeah. And then that 10-day contract's worth nothing to them. Then you can't even play for them. Now, are those lucrative, like a 10-day um, contract? I would imagine well, no, right, league minimums are a lot of money. When you when you compare what you make over 10 days in the NBA versus what you make over the entire season in the D-League, yes, like, 10-day contracts are lucrative. All right, on a 10-day contract for Quinn Cook, could he buy a house cash? Oh, no, I don't think he's buying a house. And okay. maybe, was he buying a house in Canton, or is he buying a house in well, New York? Well, yeah, like, give me that. Like, all right, I'll ask you this. Is he making 150 grand in 10 days? Oh, uh, no, I don't okay. think he's making one. All right, I just, I was trying, I don't know that stuff at all, like, so I wasn't sure, like, how those contracts work and how much money was associated No, with. but they're, I mean. And it, obviously, especially, dude, in Ohio, you can buy a house for a lot less than 150 grand. That is going to be, you know, his, what do I want to say? It's going to be his most lucrative part of the year is by, by, by playing in that 10-day contract. Now, so. How that works is, uh, I'm asking, is so like when the 10 days are up, like, does he come back here? Can they re-sign you to another 10? Like how many 10s can they extend? You can sign as many 10s as you want, but they can only give you two from what I know. Each team can give you two. Right. So now, you can sign consecutively a 10 and sign a 10. or 
Yeah, as far as I know, you can sign a 10 and then sign a 10, and then they can offer At different you, times of the season, can you do you more? You can do back-to-back if, you, if they want to keep you up there. But No, it, I'm saying, but you can only do two back-to-back, but it, like, can, he, can he sign four for uh, one team at different points? As far as I know, okay. yes. Because right. at no point, how it works in the NBA D-League is, as a player, you are associated with your D-League team. Now, the D-League teams are obviously associated with an NBA team, but you're not a Cavalier, you're a charge member. And any team can grab a player from the charge. That's why he's on the Pelicans. Now, now when it comes to dudes like Kay Felder, who's a Cavs player that plays in the D-League, or Larry Sanders played on Saturday night, or Joe Harris used to do it, or tons of guys have, have, have split time. Your Cavs, you know, Kay Felder plays for the Cavs. Right. No other team can touch him. No, he can't play for any other D-League team. You know, the Pelicans can't come in and grab him or anything like that. You're a Cavs player just playing in the D-League. So Quinn Cook's essentially unpicked. Right. Quinn Cook is, is, is a free agent. Anybody can come grab him. Huh. Anybody can take a piece of him. So Dude, I got to tell you. Could, there could be way worse ways to go through life than being a guy that's really good in the D-League and can fill in 10-day contracts here and there. You can make a really good living doing that. Yeah, I mean, and that's the whole thing of the NBA D-League, and that's why they want to put more power and money into it is because they want to make it more financially lucrative to these guys. Don't go to China. Don't go to Europe. Don't go place in Brazil or something like that. Stay in our D-League, and when we need you, you'll be ready to go. Yeah, I uh, I heard it was what fan appreciation night Saturday yeah, night, at, yeah. you know, out at the Civic Center sold out. Canton yeah, Charge packed was. house, packed house in Canton. Um, it uh, it was awesome, dude. Charge Nation obviously represented very strong, and Canton was able to pull off a big victory. And uh, there's I think four or five games left, and uh, we're sitting we're sitting pretty nice for a playoff run. So they uh, they okay, should, so they so they they have a shot to make the playoffs. real good shot. They're in third place right now, and like I said, there's like five games left. So as huh. long as I think two's the magic number for them. Now they're done with home games now, though. Right? Yes, before yes. the playoffs. Playoffs. Before the playoffs, so I think they've got two weeks left. Yeah, it sucks, man. It kind of bums me out. I'm but their I'm games like, are televised. What YouTube, right? You uh, watch Not you televised, watch, essentially. Uh, Facebook Live is what they're doing this oh, year. Oh, really? It's a big push. Yeah. So you can, yeah, you can always check out their games. Oh, huh, I wonder if Live. Facebook dumped money into that or not. Um, I don't know if it was so much. I'm sure it's a partnership between the two somewhere. brands of the NBA, NBA and, yeah, somewhere, yeah. And, and Facebook Live. How but, do we integrate Facebook Live into the NBA? Well, you start with D League, well, and then we'll figure, they, work out the bugs, and that's smart, smart business. It's how they do everything. It's how they do rule changes. Right. It's how they do like, all right, you know, any any sort of like change within the game. It's better just to do it in the D League and, and work out. Sure, the bugs. yeah, I would imagine it's smart business. You know, absolutely. Uh, before the break, we were talking about we were recapping our. St. Patrick's Day, and I was talking about how I had a uh, had a guy kind of talking my ear off about uh, you know Jim Morrison and the Doors, right. and I had said you know I had I had had a situation with the Doors go awfully wrong, and a guy tweeted at me he says, "How did you have something go wrong with the Doors? Morrison died five years before you were born." Yes, that is true, but the Doors got back together briefly, and they brought the was it, I think it was the dude from Fuel was like the the, the he was going to be Jim Morrison. They took that around. They played all the house blues in the country. And I was working at a different radio station at the time, and they brought Ray Manzarek and, like, you know, the rest of those dudes. Robbie Krieger. And is it John Densmore? Sure. There we go. Uh, They brought all those guys. And it was, like, a few hours before they were going to get there, and Ray Manzarek, like, people called the radio station. And it was like, um, Ray requires that you have wine and cheese to greet him? Like, they need wine and cheese platters and, like, all this, like, special food. And, again, 
Stars come into radio stations all the time. You got to do this stuff all the time. I've done, I do the amount of things that I've done for a celebrity is insane. Now, usually what they're doing is, is you've got a touring band and they're just trying to get fed that day. They're mm. like, all right, well, hey, we need to, yep. we need, we need eight Subway sandwiches. We need, you know, third or, you know, three, three 24 packs of pop and they're just filling up their, 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 their van. I see it at the Agora all the time. Dudes are just trying to eat. Right, but, I see but, it all the time. But when you know what, good for you, stay alive. But, but wine and cheese, I don't know. It was a little pretentious, right? And so then he gets there. Ray does. Ray Manzarek does. For now, look, they were going to play live, and then we were going to interview them in between songs. It was going to be like a storytellers type thing. Okay. And so they get there. Ray freaks out about the wine and cheese platter Jeez. because, you know. We're, we were in independence, so we sent somebody to like the local Giant Eagle or whatever, right. and we were like, dude, just go grab some stuff. And it wasn't the right wine, and it wasn't the right cheese, and so Ray Manzarek became a dick. And so we start doing the interview, and of course, we're asking them about Jim Morrison, because he's the only part of the Doors anybody really cares about. Yeah. If you're a real hardcore Doors fan, you care about Ray Manzarek, you care about Robbie Krieger, but most people just like Light My Fire and Jim Morrison. Well, right, but we're a radio station, not a Doors station. Like, it's just, this did, is did, low-hanging fruit here. Did you see the Doors movie? Who was it about? It was about Jim Morrison. And so... And actually, we referenced the movie, and they were wildly annoyed about that, Ray Manzarek was. You know, well, that was, you know, that wasn't exactly historically correct. I said, well, it was an Oliver Stone movie, so no, I don't think it was like, and I I was like, Ray, this is kind of what I'm asking you, is like, how much reality was in this? And he he just did not want to play along or whatever, and he ended up calling us frickin' frack, like he just became, and he just started like laughing hysterically like a moron, and then he... Like, I remember he called me a dick, and I think at that point we got up and ended the interview, left, and they continued to play for the listeners. Yeah, Ian Asbury from The Cult uh, was touring with The Doors, too. This was a separate tour. They've done it more than once. It was the guy from Fuel. I I remember. (laughs) Believe me. And that interview's on YouTube. You can, uh, you know, you can Google or whatever, but that's how that went bad, and I was kind of telling that story. Honestly, that did change. Fieldy from Corn kind of changed my opinion on them. Like, he was so rude that day. I was just like kind of over it. And I know we're giving away tickets to see Corn today, but they're still going to be awesome from the stage. But Fieldy kind of like, I was like, eh, I'm kind of done with you. And Ray Manzarek are the two that stick out as like, dude, you guys were dicks. Like, dicks. Don't worry, Fieldy won't be a dick to you from the stage. It'll be fine. You guys can win tickets still. Um, it goes to show you though. Sometimes you can have a great re- or like a great experience with an artist and be like, "Oh my god, I love that dude for the rest of forever." Doesn't matter what he does. Other times, you know, people it all are, depends on what your relationship. People are a holes are. And... So we were kind of like recapping St. Patrick's Day. This I don't know if you've heard this, but this poor woman in Cleveland fell from a balcony inside a Cleveland bar on St. Patrick's Day. Now, there had been an article posted at Cleveland.com this morning Mm -hmm. or late last night that had said she had passed away, Mm -hmm. and they have since... That page is unfound now. Yeah, it seemed like a bunch of news outlets were kind of... uh, Confirming? uh, Well, well, uh, conflicted of whether she did or did not die. It seems like Fox 8 had something. Now they've gone back. It seems like there was another station that had something, and they've gone back. So maybe the news was given bunk information there. You know what I mean? It It seems like that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, that stuff will happen. But apparently, um, she fell around 2.30 in the afternoon Friday inside Spirits Nightclub on West 6th. If you don't know, that's the warehouse district where a bunch of bars and restaurants are. 
Um, the police had said that she fell headfirst about 15 feet, smacked her head Ugh. on what was uh, described as a granite rail Jeez. that celebrates the uh, separates sorry uh, the bar from the VIP section. Jeez. The bar was closed after the fall due to hazardous conditions. Police sent a statement. Now, I had read over the weekend, yeah, here it is right here, that she was 20 years old. Now, I don't want to speculate, and I definitely don't want to jump up and down on, on this thing. But at St. Patrick's Day, right. you're 20. Right. They don't say she was an employee. Well, it's a safe assumption that you're making here. That, 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 that I would assume what we're dealing with is underage drinking in a bar. Right. And let's not act like that's unheard of on St. Patrick's Day. And, I, you know, obviously a, a, a bar is the one that is responsible to make sure that people are, are over the age of. But, I mean, I'd be a liar to say I didn't go to the Cleveland St. Patrick's Day, you right. know. Oh, my God. Pray, every year in high school. Hammer drunk and, and sneaking into bars. We'd always take the RTA right. down and go, yeah. So, so like, you know, obviously. Obviously, and I mean, you know, we live in a different time than we did then, and, and, and there's a little bit of, you know, you are the one responsible. At the end of the day, you are the one responsible. I guess if I would have died in, in 1999, it would have been the bar's responsibility. What the hell was he doing in there? I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to how did she get through your doors? Right. And it, that's going to come back on your staff. Right. And like I always thought of this, as a guy who still works in a bar, we remain vigilant, and we rely on wristbanding. Okay, and so somebody comes through the door, you you get your ID checked, and they are wristbanded. But we're told behind the bar, if you don't, if somebody walks up to the bar, even if they have a wristband on, if you're suspicious, you ask to see that ID as a secondary measure behind our ID checkers, and it's just smart business. It's just smart business. I've done it. I did it Saturday night. Somebody said I have a wristband on. I said I don't care. I need to see your ID because I'm not sure I can trust that wristband, especially uh, on a day like St. Patrick's Day. You know what I mean? Kinda like head on swivel. Now the other argument on that's going to be on a day like St. Patrick's Day that you're so flooded that we're going to get. You know what I mean? Like how do you m- remain control of it? And yeah, that conversation's fine with you and your friends. When you go into a courtroom, the right. well, we were too busy for that is never going to be a good enough right. argument. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not a valid excuse. No. I mean, you still have responsibility. You're going to say it at your dinner table, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to being held, you know, legally responsible, that's not going to hold water. And now, aside from the fact that this this woman was under underage drinking, or, or whether she drank there or not, I mean, who knows? She we don't just know. Came, she could have just right. came in drunk. Is a very distinct possibility. I would imagine they're calling over the security footage, you know, and they're going to find that out. But just, dude, imagine how awful of a scene that would be. I mean, it's St. Patrick's Day, downtown Cleveland, busy as hell, dude. Everyone's there you've been drinking all day and all of a sudden someone takes a header in a bar 15 feet down there's got to be like blood and and, and brains everywhere right i i I am shocked that i did not see selfies with this and like live streams and things like that like i'm shocked and they might be out there maybe i just haven't seen them not even not even in like a morbid way but somebody was probably had their phone out facebook live video oh my god and then boom in the background some bitch just Oh, dude, if she how died, te- let's, be, let's be careful. Yeah, that'd be awful. How terrible. That like, would be awful. I, I, I can only imagine, you know, as a bar patron, if you're just standing there and all of a sudden there's just this panic and there's brains and blood and everywhere. Imagine ah. the scene like trying to get out of the bar. Right. Because there were people who were going to be like, you know what, let's get out of here because we don't know what happened. Was she thrown? Was something? I mean, in, in that moment, you're just like, oh, my God, what's happening right now? How terrible is that? Like, yeah. so, you know, as awful. I thought I had a... 
as I thought I had like an interesting St. Patrick's Day or a a, uh, a a different one, I would say. I uh, I feel bad for that woman and her family. And I got to tell you, I feel like there's a bar manager, probably uh, you know a few doormen and security guards who are going to be out of work here sometime soon. We will uh, give you some more Stansberry Show next on Rock 106.9. 1069. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. We have Norm McDonald tickets as he plays April 14th, Hard Rock Roxino. 7.30, you'll get hooked up with those. Um, you know, you've probably heard this. You can't please everyone. Correct. All at once. You know, your parents probably taught you that growing up, as mine did. And working at a radio station, you you get a fine understanding of that. And, and I'll give you a case in point exactly what I mean. So we just played Pink Floyd, Money There, right? Mm-hmm. And I understand Pink Floyd is one of those bands for some people that are like, ugh, enough. And I understand that's kind of what radio does. It mm-hmm. kind of gives you the hits. That's what that's. It's by design. It's you know, what I mean, it's not like, how does this keep happening? It's like, no, it's by <laughs> it's, it's by design. Like they just keep shoving the hits at you. That's what radio yeah. does. It's like because it's a wide ass net. Yeah. But you can't please you know everybody all at once. And so like, as that song was playing three minutes ago. One account tweets at me and says, okay, my work partner and I listen to your show, Fishhead and Kramer, all day, every day. We're a little Thanks, sick guys. of Pink Floyd. You guys play Pink Floyd a little too much. Okay? okay. And then so three minutes ago from a completely different Twitter account, hey, Stansbury, it's Monday morning. I'm sitting on, in the car outside of work. Thank you so much for the Pink Floyd. So you know what I mean? Some people love it, and then some people are like kind of tired of it, and that's kind of where that's the bitch that radio's in, where it's like, well, you got to play a song. And there's no song on the planet that everybody wants no. all at the same time. Because no. there's even, like, this is true of you because it's true of me. It's true of everyone. You can be on your way into work, hear a song that you like, and you just don't want it right then at that moment. That's what makes that job really, really tough, programming a radio station. But we appreciate you listening through whether or not you like Floyd or whether you're tired of Floyd. I'll say this. I don't know if this radio, because I don't program it i'm not the music director here so i don't know if we play pink floyd too much i i have no idea i don't know what the i don't know what the count is right um if i saw the number my guess i would probably be like that's probably high but i'll say we don't play money by pink floyd enough i'll say if you're yeah, gonna play okay. pink floyd as much as we do money should probably be in that rotation a little bit more I, there's times for me. there's times i would like to gripe against pink floyd but having worked in rock radio for so long i know how well it does i mean because it, it does there's people that just love it it's um it's not, sometimes to me it just sounds like death on the radio and i'm like oh my it's just god a little slow dude, sometimes let's go but i feel the same way about tool and people love tool so it's like well i, I guess yeah you're you know? not the biggest tool fan i don't hate either band i don't hate Pink Floyd, I don't hate Tool, but sometimes on the radio in particular, I'm like, oh my god, how is this a hit? Why are we playing this? Get to the point! Right, like, get to it. Let's yeah. play play a fast, you know. I will admit, like, Tool is very big into, we know our fans like us, so we'll just make everything six minutes, and we'll just do it, and it's like, honestly, it's not the best system. I, I love that band, but... Even in, I mean... Same, I take your point. Same thing with Pink Floyd. It's like, dude, six and a half minute song, everyone's gonna love it. And I'm like, no, they're not, and then everyone loves it. And I'm like, damn it, I was wrong. You've always made the analogy tool to rush, right? That's always been Very your analogy. in the same way. You're getting into long-ass songs. Technically, yeah, they're great songs. I can play guitar really all well. The all the musicians are good. Yeah, dude. All those all those bands, you know, yes, you guys are very talented. It just sometimes, to me, it's like, why, why is this a hit record? Why, why are we playing a seven and a half minute long song right now? What are we <laughs> because doing? Because it's for? vicarious. I guess. That's why you do it. I guess. Which, how good was that record? I guess. They're coming. Tools, uh, they're going to be doing the touring. So, uh, speaking of musicians, let's keep it this real quick. Okay. As I saw this, 
And you know how this show feels about this, Celebrity Death. You know how we feel about this. We're obviously, you know, we don't root anybody to die. We're not like, you die right now! Oh, death, baby. But we're also not going to pretend how sad we are when a 90-year-old man dies. I mean, Chuck Berry died, okay? And I understand. Well, I better go online. I better say I, I, I miss him. I better do this. Otherwise, I look insensitive. No, you don't. You look logical. This is my least favorite thing about the internet. The I gotta jump into this group of people mentality. It's my least favorite thing about the internet. Because if only die hard, true to the heart, Chuck Berry fans like did the RIP messages, it would actually be kind of cool. Right, and but there would be seven of them. Right. But at the end of the day, he would that was Johnny B. Good, right? That was like the, the, the whole thing. Like, fine, loved it. But that's about the end of it for me. Like I spent the first part of the you know the morning talking about Gene Simmons playing Saturday night. I love Gene, okay. And if he died, I would be like, oh, that kind of sucks. I wish that that wouldn't have happened. But we always reference this. The best thing Gene Simmons was ever going to do, he did it already. I got it. Unless somebody comes to my house the day Gene Simmons dies and deletes all my kiss off of my iTunes, then I'd be mad. Yeah, Gene Simmons is still alive to you at that point. But I can turn on Christine 16 whatever I want. Thank God I have iHeartRadio. I can stream any kiss song I want anywhere. Now, as far as Chuck Berry goes, I'll draw a line of difference between Chuck Berry and a lot of other celebrities in the sense of a true-to-the-heart Father of rock and roll. I mean, it's 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 he's on the very short list of the most influential artists of all time. Yeah, because he made so many dudes that you love want to play and changed the game. No question about it. A, a yeah. hugely important artist. Yeah, but I can say that about Little Richard, and I hate him. And well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I hate Little Richard. But but that doesn't change the fact no, he, of important of of of. All right, well, we've gotten the Chuck Berry that we want out of you, out of him, and you can't tell the story of. Rock Rock and roll and not mention Chuck Berry. Of course. So I will admit that it was a big loss, but not at 90. Right. This isn't the day the music died. The plane didn't go down and rob us of 20 more years of great music. The guy was 90. Now, I think it's interesting to notice, Uh much like like when David Bowie passed away, we are all very sad and we're all, what a a great artist. No, he was an awful person, right? Didn't he beat that woman in that gas station? Awful person. Violence against women. Yeah. Um, uh, transporting a 14 year old across state lines for sexual, for sexual, for sexual conduct. Yeah. And right now, as we speak, there is a nationwide, like, oh, there's a 15 year old with her science teacher. Tennessee, right? Right. Oh, and and everybody's got to look for this girl. And we're celebrating Chuck Berry on the exact same goddamn day, dude. The exact same day that we are sending out this Amber Alert, there's a missing 15-year-old girl. We're celebrating Chuck Berry, who was doing the exact same thing to a 14-year-old teenage girl. So, I, I, I guess, I guess we can all act like we're pissed at this teacher. I guess we can. Chuck Berry did the same goddamn thing, and we're celebrating yeah, him but today. but he didn't, that teacher doesn't sing. And then, and then, the it's guy... It's the same way, like, I would crucify somebody who lives on my street that did what Michael Jackson did, but because of the, my neighbor didn't make Thriller. The guy was recorded in his restaurant Recording his his the employees, bathroom, right? His employees, his female employees using the toilets. So, like, listen, 
I remember that. I did that story live. I remember that. Is Chuck Berry a unbelievably talented artist? Yes, changed the game forever. But let's not act like the dude wasn't a sexual predator. What do I? What have I always said about ultra creative people like that? It comes from like this weird thing, and it comes from what's wrong with you. You don't just get to be creative that way and have it come from normalcy. It comes from what's wrong with you. I've been, dude, I've been saying this forever. And I love this now because all these people die and then we go through all their negative history. It's kind of like proving my points, what I've always been saying. Quit. And what do I, what I say about Kyrie and the flat? Dude, let him believe the earth is flat. Who cares? Just let him shoot hoops. Well, dude, yes. Let, be him, as, be as, let him shoot hoops. Be as dumb as you want. But once you get into sexual no, predator. No, I'm, I'm not looking to. No, no, no. I, that's not what I mean. That's not what I meant. To say. I don't mean to like turn the eye on that. I'm just saying, like I always say, these things don't come from what's right with you. They come from what's wrong with you. From your wound drips the gold. It's the way it works. The way it's always worked. Nobody escapes that. Nobody. Not who does stuff like that. I just personally don't believe that. And again, we've got proof, and more proof, and more proof. Before we talk to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com at 8, I need to get, talk to you a little bit about the NBA, because apparently, dude, the league is unhappy with us and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Apparently, both teams are in a little bit of trouble, so we'll call through that next on Rock 106.9. I, I, I hear two girls over here singing in harmony. That's all right, honey. This is a free country. Live like you want to live, baby. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to knock it, darling. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show. Rock 106.9, 730. We'll get you hooked up with some Norm McDonald tickets as he plays the Hard Rock Roxino April 14th. Yeah. This year already kind of flying by. It's the 20th of March. Quarter of the way over. It's like, insane. If you have a real job where you're like, ah, oh, the business year and the quarters, and like, dude, the first quarter is over. Over. It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. I mean, this, I mean, it's flying by. 7.30, we'll get checked up on those Norm McDonald tickets. If you're a corn fan, 9.30 is when we're going to do those. And also at 9.30, you will not believe what Mel Gibson is up to. Like, you won't believe it. Given his history, given some of the things that's happened with him, you won't believe what Mel Gibson's doing now. 9.30, we'll get into that. So, some of these NBA storylines are getting pretty funny. Okay. Okay? You know, we reference the Kyrie Irving flat earth thing a lot. Okay? And, you know, I've said this a million times. I'm going to say it again. Quit trying to respect people outside of the realm of what they do. Just be happy that he's a fantastic basketball player. You don't need him to be smart. You don't need him to be an activist. You don't need him to be a politician. You just need him to drain a three in Game 7, and he did it. Right, and I will agree with you 100% on that, but that doesn't necessarily stop my frustration of anybody thinking that the Earth is flat. Anybody anybody with a decent amount of education, which at the end of the day, Kyrie Irving does have. I mean, I know he went to do, oh, he's a basketball player, doesn't matter. Still, I mean, there's enough there where the guy should be able to wrap his head around the idea. fifth grader should know that. Right. It's not Duke that did that. Right, right. right. That's what so I kept saying. I, when people are like, he went to Duke, I'm like, dude, he also went to elementary school. I, I, I have also heard that Shaquille O'Neal has bought into yeah. the Flat Earth policy. I have theory. that right here. And, I have that right here. It says here, this is, this is Shaquille O'Neal. It's true. The Earth is flat. The Earth is flat. Yes, it is. Listen, there are three ways to manipulate the mind. What you read, what you see, and what you hear. In school, first thing they teach us is, oh, Columbus discovered America, but when he got there, there were some fair-skinned people with the long hair smoking on the peace pipes. 
So what does that tell you? Columbus didn't discover America. So listen, I drive from coast to coast, and this S is flat to me. I'm just saying. I drive from it's. Well, first of all, it's not flat to you. One thing's fact. One thing's like fiction of your mind. It doesn't get to be flat to you. He said, I'm just saying, I drive from Florida to California all the time, and it's flat to me. I do not go up and down at a 360-degree angle and all that stuff about gravity. Have you looked outside Atlanta lately and seen all these buildings? You mean to tell me that China is under us? China is under us? It's not. The world is flat. Okay. Infinitely frustrating. So if you've driven from Florida to California, now there are multiple routes you could take. Of course. Okay? Of course. But have you ever been to Colorado? No, I've not. Okay. I've, I've driven through it, but I've not like been. You can get to a point of Denver, and I did it in the snow, so maybe it seemed worse than it was, but it felt like I was driving straight up and down. Like straight up. And, like I felt like, oh my God, my car might fall backwards. Like, I mean, there are definitely landscapes, and we've, I mean, how many, how many, how many scientists, smart people have to come? Although we're doing it with climate change and everything else, too. Or people just don't buy science. But I guess at the end of the day, what makes all this different to me is like this is observable. Like in the moment, like we can observe this, we can look at this, we can prove that this is those wrong. are the people where, are saying that those videos and the photos that you have seen have been manipulated. Where is the end of the world then? If you, Shaquille O'Neal, have been everywhere on the planet, and the guy has, I mean, he is, he is, he's played basketball in China, he's played in the Olympics, he's been all over the planet, where is the end of the world? Somewhere along the line, you would fly in your plane, and you would just go out into space. You would have to. I always reference the Truman Show. Eventually, the boat hits the wall. Right. Is, 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 is like water just falling out into space? Like, is the ocean like just falling out into space? What's keeping everything in? Wouldn't somebody eventually say to you, wouldn't an airline eventually say to you, Sorry, bro, we can't fly there. Right. I mean, Shaq, you have the money to get into a plane and just start flying. And do you really think you're just going to fly out into space? Like, is that is that genuinely what you think? So do they think it's infinite? It's just... Right. What 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 happens if you keep going in a plane? It's not a, a math equation. What what happens if you keep going in a plane? You are going... I, I don't understand how you can't wrap your head around that. Like, that alone... <laughs> It's mind-boggling, dude. Genuinely mind-boggling. Irritates me to no end. That Neil, is it Neil Tyson DeGrasse? Is yeah. that that guy? Yeah. You know, he tweeted out yesterday, and, and I like him because he's kind of snarky. Right. You know what I mean? About his intelligence, and he kind of feels like, you know what? That's the point of being smart is that you right. is to sure. tell other people, you know? And, you know, he said, he goes, we can make America great, but we have to make it smart first. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? That kind of does make sense. I, uh, I, 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 I can understand why you feel like, well, there's room for uh, you know revisionist history, and well, you know, history books aren't necessarily going to tell you. Okay, but that's different than it's science. It's a story about that's who found di- what. That's somebody making a claim to power. That's, that's a completely different thing than whether or not the Earth is flat. It's different than science. Yeah. history and science are two different things, dude. You can, you can, you can. Uh, yes. Yeah. Who discovered this country is a claim to power? That's exactly why that story was written that way. It's not about whether. Or not it was factually correct it's about laying the power in somebody's hands i i I mean i just where where is the end of the world where where is it it's just it it would would have to happen so some of these nba stories just interesting it's very interesting that Shaq would be a uh, again if you found me some guy who's never traveled and he bought right, it. I'd right, be like, okay. Right. But when you have a plane, I mean, I would. I mean, Shaq has obviously flown on the TNT plane, right? I mean, like around the world. Right. I'm telling you, the guy has played basketball across the planet. You know how hard they've pushed in China. Shaq's been over to China, you, and you just. I mean, yeah, they love the tall Americans. You there. just think that. 
I, that it's an it, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I, uh, it's a very weird thing. I personally believe that the Earth is yeah. round. I uh, everyone I, I'm, should. I, I'm gonna. I'm until I see it is. until I see evidence for myself that disproves that. I'm going with Earth is round. That's just me. Apparently, the NBA not so happy with your favorite uh, with your favorite club, the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers. Apparently, they sat the big three again the other night against the Clippers. Yep. Took a drubbing. They did one one oh eight to seventy eight. And uh, Cavaliers general manager David Griffin said he heard from the league shortly after Cleveland announced that LeBron, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving it should be noted. Kevin Love just freshly back off of you know an injury, and Kyrie would not be playing Saturday. Adding that the NBA made it abundantly clear that they were less than thrilled with the team's decision. Seven minutes after it was announced, Griffin told ESPN's Ramona Shelburne, yeah, they were not happy. While Griffin understands, it says here, the league's frustrations, he notes that LeBron was the only player who was truly healthy, as Love and Irving both nursing some injuries. That's a little bit true there. He says, I feel bad for the league, Griffin said, I really do. But what is? But it is. Uh, what is for us from an injury standpoint? Wow, that was really weirdly said. Uh, we literally had one guy rest tight and everybody else was reasonably injured. I don't feel like we did anything terribly egregious. Now, I have stood behind this resting thing from a LeBron standpoint because I believe in you know his uh, his intelligence of how to deliver a title. But it, recently, I've kind of come to the, you know, yeah, I understand why fans are unhappy. And I think that there's two things going on here. I understand why clubs do it who are chasing a championship. I do. I get it. And I do believe it will help you. Look at what's going on with Durant. Look at what's happening with Kevin Love. Less minutes spent on these legs and these bodies are obviously going to save you for deeper into the season. I get it. Okay? But I think the NBA is in a tough spot here. And, and I think that this is negatively affecting their business model on some end. Is it going to be the end of the NBA? No. Because ultimately, we've seen worse things in leagues. We've seen, dude, NFL's got murderers and rapists and stuff ain't ruining that league. Guys sitting on the bench isn't going to ruin this league either. Although, what I would say about that, having just said that, is I think a fan would probably be more likely to forgive you for something awful you did to somebody else than they are to forgive you for a thing that's a lot less awful, which is robbing you of being able to see their greatness. I do think a fan, an average fan, would let you off the hook for something you did to somebody else. Well, I, I, I think we've seen it. I, 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 oh yeah, I mean certainly, you know, people, people's lines are weird, but I, I, I think there's, you know, obviously a point to be made when it comes to. It cheapens the game for the fan. I understand that. Even for the advertiser, you know, ABC or whatever, or, or the network, or even for ESPN, I understand where all that gripe comes into play. I really and it's all valid. Do. It is. The, we the, charge is. less for advertising now, on Saturday during the best of show than we do during the week. Now, uh, a couple different I points to make there. I guess from both the fan perspective, the ABC perspective, and even the uh, the NBA perspective of yeah, it'd be awesome if you had a a full power Clippers versus Cavs game on a Saturday night. In March. That'd be awesome. What would be even more awesome is if you had a full power Cavaliers team versus a full power Clippers team in June during the NBA playoffs. Yeah, that's but, that's the end game that we all want. I, I understand that, but there's no guarantee of that either. Well, I mean So why not just give me the game? Full power teams, I guess, is what I'm talking about there. Two championship caliber full power teams, whether it's Cavs Clippers or, or whoever versus whoever, we're talking full power championship teams. But okay, and at what point here are we going to say, well, in in in, in interest 
of the league and interests of the will be making the, you know these coaching decisions and interests of the fans and interests of the advertisers will be deciding which players are starting, which players are are not starting. We'll be deciding how long LeBron plays tonight. We'll be deciding you know how, how this team is going to be coached and how this team is going to be ran. And I don't think that's a position where any sports fan wants to be is by letting the association, the league, the whatever become the 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 stewards of the team. No, but you got to be careful, dude. The NBA. They're in a tough spot because globally they're wildly popular, but in this country they underdeliver. They underdeliver in ratings. They underdeliver in revenue. They underdeliver in every way. And there is going to be something about the stars having way too much power. Why the NFL is a much more powerful body because it's the because they control it. Why is this not an issue in other sports? Baseball players take breaks all the time, all the time. I think because when you go into a city, you're there for four days. And those guys don't sit four days straight. I, I mean, you know, I mean, you're there long stretches am, am, where fans have a chance to see you. Am, it is different. Am, am, am I? Am, am I? Am I? Am I? As a fan, my well, dude, I think Corey Kluber should be first in the rotation. I bought games for game number one. Up, oh, they're going to put him in third. No, I well, mean, obviously, why not? Well, dude, lines are drawn in all different places. Those two things are similar yet very different. But why is it that in basketball I can make a decision about the association should be able to make a decision about who is and is not playing? But I'm not saying not the baseball. association should be able to make a decision. I'm saying that if you don't think that these guys sitting and showing their power and showing, you know what, we're bigger than the league is affecting ratings, you're crazy. Why is week 14 any different in the NFL? Why is it if I want to decide, hey, I'm not playing my guys week 16, we've got the, we've got the conference championship Again, locked up. Again, not that this is 100% true, but you know how the fan looks at it. That the NFL is a man's league and the NBA are a bunch of sissies who cry. It, it, that's and it's just the reality of it. It's an easier game. That's why Vince Carter's still out there. What fifty? I mean, I don't know how old he is, but he's old. You can't do that. It's very rare in football, guys. You have to tear NBA players off the court because the money's so good, and because it's not hard. Like the NFL, dude, you can be paralyzed. You're not going to be paralyzed well, playing basketball. Plenty and plenty of dudes are still, you know. I mean, there's plenty of older, older bodies. You know, greatest football player on the face of the planet, a 40 year old dude. So I know what you're saying, dude. It is an easier yeah. game. There's no question about that. Easier on the body is all I'm there's saying. There's no question about that. Um, Tom but, Brady's the exception, not but, the rule. And obviously, these dudes are are out there considerably more than NFL players are. So when you have an 82 game season, and we can talk all day about whether that's too long or not, but when you have that much, there's going to be time where guys feel like they're going to be able to take a blow. And as far as it goes from a team perspective, who 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 am I as a fan, who is the NBA as an association, or who is ABC as a network to tell them this is how you're supposed to run your team? I just, you know, there are going to be people who go back to Michael always because it's the NBA and that's where everybody wants to go. And what somebody's going to say is played all 82, won championships, didn't now I don't know about back to backs. I don't know if that was like a thing when Michael I because I, I, I hear players bitching about that a lot. We don't want to play back to backs anymore. Well, then get together in the collective bargaining agreement sessions or whatever, and then like, get that out of there. Again, you have all the power because the NBA kind of has like kind of let their stars get out there and kind of run their league. So then use the power correctly. I it's it's in the middle. I want LeBron to rest because I want another title. But ultimately, like, like I said, when that Golden State Warriors San Antonio game was on Saturday night, prime ABC game, middle, you know, in prime time, I wanted to watch that game and then didn't because the product was going to be awful. And the Cavs losing 108 to 78, I don't know how that helps anyone. 
And I think ultimately you will see a reduction in ratings and a reduction in tickets bought. I don't know why anybody would spend, would save up money and spend like hundreds of dollars to buy their kids Cavs tickets for Christmas on the gamble that he's not going to play. It's just, I, I, I get it. I do think it's, it's going to help you win a championship, but what do you sacrifice from a league standpoint to make that true? And the league doesn't care if the Cavaliers win. The league has to worry about the league. Oh, I disagree. I think they want those teams. They want the Cavaliers, Golden they State. Want, they right. understand that that's more powerful for their brand. What they want is their stars to play every night and have They'd that. They'd much rather have a full-power Cavs versus full-power Warriors than, uh, than well, if, if you know the Bucks end up going up against, you know, the Hornets or something like that, it it makes much more sense for them in the long run to have a full-powered finals, a a star-filled finals. I'm hearing the ratings are down because of March Madness. They've done this all year. Now it's a problem. (laughs) They've done this all year, and people have bitched about it all year. And the ratings being down in the NBA started at the beginning of the season. It started well before March Madness happened. The ratings are down in their biggest markets, where their best teams are. Ratings are down in Oakland, and they're down in Cleveland. And it's because of some of this. It's not solely this. And again, this is the world I live in now, where if you say something is a factor or an indicator as to why something's happening, you're now saying that's the sole reason. No, I'm not. But it's definitely playing its role. Ratings are down in the Ohio market 28%. That seems pretty drastic for me for a defending championship market. Now, some of that, and Fantone's pointing this out, is going to be a little bit of LeBron fatigue. Where it's like his greatness is no longer, I have to see it. Some of that is that. I will absolutely weigh that in. But you can't tell me these guys kind of deviating up and doing whatever they want isn't turning people off. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Sooner or later, somebody, this is the way it works. Build, build them up, build them up, build them up, build them up. They have too much power. Now I want to tear them down. And that's what's happening to the NBA. In my estimation, I could be way wrong, but I highly doubt it. Tim Allen claims that his life because of his politics and his views, is extremely difficult. We'll examine that next on Rock 106.9. Tom. 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show. Rock 106.9. We'll get you hooked up with uh, some Norm McDonald tickets here shortly. Uh, April 14th, he's playing the Hard Rock Roxino. We'll get you in to see that. Also, 9.30, we have corn tickets up for grabs. Talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com, 8 o'clock. So Tim Allen made famous the world round for uh, his show Home Improvement back in the yeah, day, which was, was wildly successful. Great show. And uh, still in syndication. You can still find that on TV. Um, and yeah, he did. they had a pretty good run with that. Yeah. I mean, as far as like 90s sitcoms go, I, I can give it, you know, top of the pops there. Honestly, one of the better 90s shows around, I think. Yeah, he was funny. You know, he's funny, dude. And I find him, I still find him to be, you know, sometimes funny. And he's got that new show, Last Man Standing on ABC. And it's basically home improvement. 20 years later. Just, yeah. yeah. And now he's got three daughters and not three sons. And, you know, they kind of, they kind of changed the thing around. Which it's ring hollow to me. I've tried to watch it a couple times. I'm like, yeah, home improvement 2.0. And it's just not the same, but. Well, it's more politically driven. And that's what this is about. Is that, you know, he didn't get into that kind of stuff in Home Improvement. But he's trying to do this counterculture show that's more conservative-based. 
and the show is I I think they're in Colorado and like he works at like at what would be like a Gander Mountain or like those mm-hmm. kind of things and he does like video like blogs vlogs about his views on their website and that's like kind of like the you know the gist of the show there sorry I just unplugged my headphones by accident and he was on Kimmel the other night and you know they were talking you know he he was asked about going to Trump's inauguration and. Kimmel then says, I'm not attacking you, kind of joking him, you know, and kind of like leading the witness there. And Tim Allen says, you know, you got to be real careful around here. You'll get beat up if you don't believe what everybody believes. I Now, I'm going to interject here. I think what he means there is, just to clarify, that you'll get beat up kind of verbally. People will give you kind of like a verbal beating and like harass you on Twitter and that kind of thing. And, okay. And versus like somebody's actually going to punch you in the hallway. Right? Okay. Or that's, I, I think that's what he means to say. I could be wrong. Says, if you're not part of the group, you know what we believe is right. I go, well, I might have a problem with that, he says here. Alan said he enjoyed the inaugural events describing uh, seeing the spectacle with his family. The government does stuff big, he said. I've never been into anything like that. Just so many people. And when they show up, you know, uh, the ex-president gets in a helicopter. There's jets and Marines taking him this way, and there's parades, but it looks like a like a Cadillac parade, everything was just rows of Cadillacs. My kids were going, is this a parade? It's like a black Cadillac after black Cadillac and then a tractor. Okay. All right. So so basically, we'll go back to his thing here. He went in on to say, he's like, I feel like this is like 30s Germany working in Hollywood with his views because he's very conservative. And he honestly had huge issues with President Obama. And it, they addressed it a million times on his show. I get real uncomfortable when anybody relates anything to 30s Germany. Well, it's like when people relate things to slavery. I have, I get a little like on edge about that. When people relate things to like the Nazi movement, I get a little uneasy well, about that. And I mean, that's really where we're getting into something here is usually when you hear some sort of a comparison like that, it is the person on the other side of the aisle doesn't agree with me, therefore he's a Nazi. And both sides do right. it. You're a Nazi. No, you're a Nazi. No, you're a Nazi. And that on itself is enough to be like, guys, I don't know if we should really be comparing anyone to Nazis, but to take it even a step further, you're going to Compare yourself as a as a a Hollywood actor, and and at the end of the day, that's what you are, Tim Allen. As a Hollywood actor, you're going to compare yourself to a Jew in 1930s. You're not even saying, "Hey, you're a Nazi," making Nazis the evil one. You're saying, "I'm a Jew in 1930s." That's that's how persecuted you are. That's unbelievable, dude. That's unbelievable. He went on to say, "In 30 years of show business, I've never seen it like this." If you're even lukewarm to Republicans, you are excommunicated from the Church of Tolerance. I would agree that, or I would assume, I should say, since I don't know, um, I don't work in Hollywood, but I would assume he's a little bit right about that. That they're, Hollywood and the entertainment industry has always been more liberal. Always. Why? Because it's made up of artists who are more free thinking, more liberal thinking, more inclusive. They want more people and you know, inclusive is probably not the right word, but they're um you know, they want more people around to spitball ideas with and things like that and they believe that entertainment is you know, made uh, a lot of times by mixing different people together and learning from, you know, one another. And there obviously is. So, but I could I could see that if right now if you were a Trump person in Hollywood, it would be tough, I think. 
I, I think people at networks and stuff would have. I, I think you're gonna. You're definitely not gonna get every role. Sure, but not as tough as being a Jew in, in no. Germany. No, no, no. <laughs> Again, you can't make. That's what uh, people always go to that. And this is. You see this a lot too, when like when a tragedy happens, you know this was the worst suffering ever. And then there's another group of people who have suffered and said, "Well, wait a minute, you're saying that that's worse than our suffering." It's like you got to stay away from definitive statements like that. You got to stay away from that stuff. And yeah, I think anytime anybody tries to relate anything to 30s Germany, I dude, at the end of the day, and I always go back to this: SS soldiers picked babies up, threw them in the air, and shot them as target practice. There's nothing working in Hollywood that's the equivalent of your kid being ripped from your arms, thrown in the air, and shot as target isn't practice. Isn't it? Isn't it the same as saying you know? There's nothing that's the equivalent. Uh, who of was that. it? Um, which Browns player? Braylon Edwards? No, Kellen Winslow. When he was like, "Oh, I'm a soldier," and everybody lost their mind because it's like, "No, you are a pro athlete. It's not the same thing." Whenever one of those pro athletes says, "Oh, it's like slavery," no, you're a pro athlete. It is not the same thing as slavery, dude. You are on a television show. You're going to tell me you're a Jew in 1930s Germany? That's what it's like for you. Yeah, you gotta stay because here's what happens is, is that and he should know this by now. What what the American public is going to do is focus on that statement and not whether or not what you what everything else you said was true. And, and, and because and, everything else he is saying is true. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The the overriding theme from the right has been uh, actors, uh, celebrities, shut up about politics. Nobody cares what you have to say. It's not that hey that there's not enough conservative actors and politics or actors and, and celebrities talking out. It's shut up, shut up, shut up. Stick to movies, stick to sports, stick to all this stuff. Why don't you tell Tim Allen to shut up? Well, and stick to because it? if you're gonna have 700,000 of them on one side. I don't think having one on the other is crazy. But your point isn't there's a misbalance. That hasn't been the point I've ever heard. The point I've heard every time is shut up. Nobody cares about well, your right. opinion. And there's always going to be the whether or not you agree with somebody is whether or not you want them to shut up. Obviously. But if there are going, and honestly, the liberal the liberal lefts in Hollywood, they are. They're super annoying with their with their views. So if there's going to be that, then I kind of like the fact that Tim Allen's going to be that on the other side. Is it is it is it they're annoying being liberal or they're annoying by spitting their views? I feel like I feel like there has to be like if you're looking for consistency here, it's either it's either our voice is isn't heard loud enough and I, our our actors should speak up louder or everyone shut up. All I've heard okay, is well, everyone shut up. What now you're doing is asking the average American to be able to, you know, articulate themselves properly. And to that, that's not what the internet, is, the internet is for. That's not what the internet is for. But if I, I'm telling you, I bet he has lost friendships in Hollywood. I bet he has lost relationships. I bet there are agents who don't want to deal with him. I bet there are, you know, now granted, he has more than enough money. He's, I mean, Last Man Standing, his current show, is already in syndication. Like, they're already showing reruns of that show, and it's still new every Friday night. So he's got more than enough money to withstand that. But it doesn't mean that he should have to. And I think that there's probably, I think he's probably a little bit right about this. I don't know. I don't work at ABC. But again, I don't think it's, I, I, I don't think it's an accident that that's the company that owns his show, and that's the views that he has, I'm given some of their history. Now, they seem to go the other way with their sports brand, ESPN. They kind of want that leaning all the way left over there these days. But it's, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's an accident that he's on the, the network owned by Disney, and th- these are the views he has, that well, he's a Trumpian. But, I don't, but, but Disney is out there putting gay people in Beauty and the Beast. Disney's doing all this stuff. They're, 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 they're a little, yeah, I mean, so, they, they've kind of gone both ways there. I, like, I, get, I get it, but given some of the history, I don't think it's shocking that ABC is the one that has this show.
I, I, I don't. And But I believe that what he's saying is true. 30s Germany makes, and this is my problem with, with using analogies like that. Nobody pays attention to the, the bulk of what you said. They're going to parse that one sentence, and now this thing that you're one, that he's 100% correct about is no longer going to be examined properly. You got to watch. I just, dude, when people relate things to slavery or 30s Germany, I just kind of want to be out of that. I don't want. Anything to do with that. We have Norm McDonald tickets. He's playing Hard Rock Roxino, uh, Northfield Park there, April 14th. We'll take caller 15 right now at 1 800 243 7625. We'll send you to see Norm McDonald and a Maslin man going to spend some well deserved time behind bars. We'll give you that story next on Rock 106. Canton's Rock Station, Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show, Rock 1069. If you're a corn fan, we're passing out tickets 9 30. I am too. Yeah, you do like the corn. Love corn, dude. No question about it. From that first record on, everything, I'm just like, oh, they're so good. Yeah, they oh, were probably until about the fifth record. Then I was like, all right, dude, I'm done with corn. But uh, probably, well, even Twisted Transistor was a cool song. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, that's pretty deep into the catalog. I think in, uh, you got the issues and everything after that. I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. But, um, dude, give me a pair of Jinkos. Your boy's going to be out there. Is that right? <laughs> Your boy's going to be out there. So we'll pass those out 9.30. If you're car shopping, check out CSE Federal Credit Union. That's where you should go to get your loan. You can find info at CSEFCU.com. They're locally serviced here, so your money's going to stay here. Not going to cost you a dime to talk to a uh, credit specialist over there at CSE Federal Credit Union. Talk to you about, uh, you know, the rates, you know, APRs on their loans and the like. You can even get pre-approved. So whether you're looking for a joyride, maybe your first ride, ATV, motorcycle, RV, anything you're looking for. CSC Federal Credit Union has a loan for that. Find out more info, CSEFCU.com. You know, I have this story, and I apologize because my uh, I must have lost this in my email. But I read, here it is right here. And I wanted to talk about this because it's disgusting and it's affecting your community, and so you probably want to hear about this. But a Maslin man jailed late last week after uh, raping a teen and then filming it. Jesus. Yeah. Not the best story there. No, not um, at all, man. Well, now Oh no, I don't I didn't pay this company 250 a month to be able to use that, but the guy's like 29 years old, raped like a 14-year-old girl, I think it was, and recorded it. And again, I don't want to focus on you know the part of this that doesn't really matter, but I will never understand people's obsession with documenting the thing that you were eventually going to have to turn around and say, I didn't do. There's, there's a, there's a new level of sickness in the criminal brain. Once you start documenting, I know on a lot of, um, arsonists do that. They, they, they want to go back and watch it and I I, watch it burn. I I guess I can understand. And I mean, not that I agree with or, or or condone anything like that, but from a, a, if, if you as a sexual predator do that, I guess I can understand why similar, the burning building is happening in the moment, and you're watching. I guess so the is same- that fear, that burning life is happening in the moment. Yeah, and so you go back and you can revisit it every if, time. If that's what, if and that's it's what, not just somebody watching it. You did it, right? And if that's okay. what, if that's what gets you going is imposing that fear, is imposing that force, imposing that dominance on somebody and, and raping them. I mean, one of the more- <laughs> which is what that crime has always, always been about. Yeah. It's not about sex. It's about power. And, and the weird relationship they're in, but at, at the end of the day, yes, they're doing that to to, to you know they're recording that to relive that, and and, 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 and terrible. You go to jail 
is what you do. And I feel terrible for that young woman and her family. I feel awful uh, for you. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. A lot going on in the sports world. We're going to make some room for Scott. We'll take a break here, come right back, and he'll join us next on Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Well, welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. 9.30, we'll get you hooked up with a pair of tickets to check out Corn August 2nd out at Blossom. We're online at WRQK.com. If you missed anything last week, that's where you can podcast it. Joining us now, as he does every Monday, 8 a.m., is Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. My man, how was your weekend? Not too bad. Uh, I, I, have, I have nothing worth sharing, but nothing to complain about. There you go. Well, that's always good. There you go. Uh, I, I would assume yours, like everybody else's, brackets probably can just might as well light Spin it on fire. Shambles. Busted! How did um? I, I know you were doing something uh, charity based uh, around the NCAA tournament. How did that ended up going? Do you have totals? Do you have all that? So it's preliminary, but as of Friday, we did break our ten thousand dollar goal. Nice, mark. good for you. So huge thank you to everybody who 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 participated. That was brackets and sponsorships, but a ton more brackets this year around than than last year. And which you know the, the ten thousand was a stretch goal. You know we didn't sure. we we thought it was attainable, but it was one that. Was going to be tough to get to, and I, I know was we barely did it, but but ten thousand could equate to essentially four smaller grants throughout the throughout the, the the you know the footprint here. So that's that's awesome. And remind people what charity you were involved with doing that. It was Susan G. Komen, yes. uh, the you know the the national uh, breast cancer fighting organization, but the local affiliate, so covering twenty two counties in northeastern Ohio, nice. including Canton, and all the way out to Youngstown and. And a little bit further west as well. Um, you know, we've, we've, you know, 22 counties. A lot of folks will be, uh, will be, will be helped by every single dollar that was raised. So I'm greatly appreciative. Yeah, no, that's a really good cause, and uh, you know, we were happy to uh, help you, you know, shed some light on that and, and stuff. So it's good. I'm glad you reached your goal. Uh, everybody's brackets screwed. A bunch of teams lost. Um, I, you know, I haven't even looked at mine. Uh, you know, and honestly, I. I I didn't really pay as much attention this weekend to the NCAA tournament that I have in years past. I'm interested to get your take on this, Scott. I've been saying that I think that this one and done system is kind of hurt the NCAA tournament. I watched like this really good 30 for 30 on the Big East, and it was like, you know, you forget Leitner was there years. Bobby Hurley was there years, and there was rivalries, and the, you know what I mean? And you get and you learn storyline, and I just don't think there's any good real story in the NCAA, and I think it's probably hurting some of uh, some of the attention span. I know the betting's through the roof on it. But I I don't hear it being talked about amongst coworkers in buildings the way you did in years past. Do you buy in any of that? In a little bit. Um I, I'm I'm a big believer in like I watched zero regular season at college basketball. Okay. This year. And I know some people, you know, if you're from the school or if you have a you know some sort of allegiance to a program, you're going to watch a lot of a lot of the games. Todd Derry who used to write for Waiting for Next Year is a KU guy, and he is staunchly, uh, you know, college basketball over the NBA. To me, the quality of an NBA game, even if stars are resting, is much better than you're going to get the quality-wise of a of a college basketball game. You know, I, I'm a I, I I love March Madness. I I enjoy the the one and done potential upsets, but then I'm watching Gonzaga start their round one game, and they they shot two for ten to start this game and wow. and I'm watching this and it is like oh my god what this this is what I've been missing you know all all season long so I I am a big fan of March Madness I love the fanfare that surrounds the the excitement of you know the Middle Tennessee states and Xavier's and all these these smaller schools getting a chance to 
you know, to take out these larger programs. I think that that's really, really cool. Um, I know a lot of purists will say that's not a good way to decide a champion, but I, I when you have a, a, a product that isn't exciting, I think you need to add excitement to it. And I think the way, the way that Mark Spanis is held, despite the one and dones and, you know, not the lack of storyline surrounding a lot of these kids now, um, you know, I, I still, I still tune in every March and I'll, I'll watch the championship game and, you know, we'll see what happens. But then it's just on to the next season. There's no real, you know, tie into to the next year as there is in, in the NBA when you have player movement and free agents and trades and things like that. You know, obviously there is a bunch of pomp and circumstance that goes into NCAA basketball. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and honestly, without it, it's a this, TV show. This year in particular, you're right, where it, it, it would be unwatchable because I have no idea who any of these guys are. I mean, there was Homie from Duke, uh, that Grayson <laughs> Allen kid. Homie from and Duke. Then, and then, and then, and then, Grayson the, Allen. And then the Ball family. And other than that, and Grayson doesn't even start. It's been absolutely nothing. And it'll just be interesting to see in the future, you know, as the D-League becomes more relevant, as European basketball becomes more relevant, as Chinese basketball becomes more relevant, it's going to be interesting to see the decisions that guys make coming out of high school. Well, if I have to wait a year before I can go NBA, should I go Europe? Should I go, you know, South America? Or should I go to China? Or should I, I go to college? It'll be interesting to see, you know, as a, as a young athlete, what these guys start doing in the future. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I have, you know, obviously no skin in the game, so I don't, I don't, do I, I? I'm sure that NBA rookies would probably be better off as a whole if they were forced to play more years in college and kind of get that structure and the whole thing. But I also know that there's a ton of young kids who who shouldn't be forced to go to college at all because of how of how good they are. You know, I couldn't imagine. You know, think of I mean, and obviously it's more impactful to Cleveland, but think of the difference if if LeBron was forced to go to college for you know then and you know is is he would he have been a better player? No, I don't think so. But I think the the landscape of the NBA would have been changed drastically, you know, if that would have happened. So I think there's a, I don't know if there's really a best way for it. I mean, you could argue, you could argue, you know, Lonzo Ball should be in the NBA by now. You know, he's gonna he's gonna be a top three pick. You know, his dad's a little nuts, but other than that, I mean, he has the talent to, you know, to to, to play at the NBA level, where some of these kids who would have come out of high school probably don't. So it's it's a, I don't think there's gonna be ever a perfect way to do it, but I do agree that. You know, as, as as Europe starts throwing money at these kids, and as, as you mentioned, is if the G League can can G-League. start to you know grow a little bit here, you know there will be there will be more options. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just don't know if there's a perfect way to go about it. We're talking to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. Let's stick with the Ball family. Um, so Lonzo Ball probably going to go the yeah top three. It's a, I'm hearing the second pick is is where people estimate, but nobody really knows. But his dad, Lavar Ball, uh, pretty brash, pretty out there with his statements. Now you know I, I think he's just out there now, just trying to stay stuff, just trying to stay as relevant as humanly possible. You know he said you know his kid was better than Steph, but now he's moved it. He thinks his kid's better than LeBron. Now I thought saying that your kid is better than a two-time, you know, NBA MVP, the first unanimous MVP ever was crazy, but when you start saying that your kid's better than a guy who's routinely in the conversation whether he is or not, he's routinely in the conversation of the goat via, you know, him versus Jordan. Steph's not in that conversation. Most of these other dudes aren't in that conversation. It's widely considered that LeBron's on another level. Like at some point this guy's just got to just stop saying crazy stuff, right? No, because he keeps getting in the news for it. It's it's the Skip Bayless way of going about it now, right? I mean, he he's a he says something ridiculous, and then they bring him on Sports Center for twenty minutes to talk about his ridiculous statement. He gets to wear his Baller brand shirts and and all his gear to to have a essentially a twenty minute commercial for his company, and then 
you know, it's back to thinking of what more can I say that's ridiculous to get back on airwaves. And, and you know, it was beating Jordan one-on-one. It was taking on Charles Barkley. Then it's just He's the Nancy going up the ladder. Of it, is, it is a manifestation of everything the news culture has become where the it's not necessarily the smartest person who gets heard the most. It's the loudest and most absurd person who gets heard the most because he said Day something morning, and then there's headlines 10. about it on ESPN and then the blogs pick it up and then it's, you know, then it's like radio spots and then it's everything else. And they're, the only way the only way it'll stop is if people stop paying attention to him. Lonzo and given that Lonzo is the oldest of three, I have a feeling this guy's going to be around for a pretty long time. This dude's going to be president, yeah. dude. I'm telling you, that's how you get to the Oval Office. Dude, I, if the big baller brand replaces the stars on the American flag, I quit. I just, honestly, I will quit planet Earth. I, I, I just, I will be done. Um, so David Griffin says the NBA not happy about the Cavaliers sitting the big three the other night in that drubbing against the Clippers. At, what was it, 108-78, I think they lost. And uh, David Griffin said, yeah, the NBA, they're not happy. And I've been kind of on this where I understand the resting. I get it. It brought us a championship. I, th- I understand the model. I totally get it. But it is kind of an FU to the fans, and it is kind of an FU to the advertisers and the television networks. And I know nobody has sympathy for companies and networks because of how much money they have, but this is not necessarily the best look for the NBA, right? Yeah, but again, I mean, it depends on either you could. I have a piece coming out at eight forty-five on this, and actually, the the, sub, the title is "LeBron Should Rest More, Not Less." And I and I and I understand Boo. that you know people have skin in the game, but unless you are an ABC executive or or a Clippers fan. You know who was who was there on on Saturday night. I don't know if you really have a, you know, a, a way to argue about this. Um, do if 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 LeBron gets hurt Saturday night and the NBA Finals is Toronto and and San Antonio, the ratings are going to be through the floor. And then there there's no then does the NBA make more money in the middle of March or do they make it in June? You know, I think the when 20 million people are tuning into the NBA Finals, that's what's more important to the league. And yes, if, I, I understand that it's an FU to some of these road fans. But I, I put that back on the NBA to, to figure out a way that the Cavs aren't playing six games in eight nights and, and half of them are on the East Coast, half of them are on the West Coast. I mean, that, 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 is, that to me is an easier fix. And if they're putting you know, the, the national TV schedule ahead of the health of the players, that's on them. That's, that's not on the team. That's not on David Griffin. That's not on Ty Lue. That's on the league to figure out a way to make it better. I don't think, again, just like we said about the last topic, I don't think there's a perfect answer for this because LeBron said it last night. You know, the league can figure out a way to try and stretch the schedule, but these guys still need rest at certain times. And, you know, it's, it's going to come at the cost of, of some of these, these road cities. And if this goes the way it's supposed to go this season, LeBron will have played 50,000 minutes in the NBA. Jeez. So, if, Jeez. so if you're a fan who, who wanted to see LeBron play, you had a lot of chances to do that. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, and and I, I, I feel bad for the younger kids, maybe, who haven't been able to do it. But I think, you know, the guy's going on 15 years in the league, and a lot of people have had the chance to see this guy play. And I, I, I just refuse to have a lot of sympathy for him if, if if it's just if they're only talking about when he's not playing. It just, it just seems very disingenuous. Okay, I you know I can make room for that. I you know and I know they make all their money in June and this and that. But I'm telling you, I and I don't know if it would happen or whatever. But if you continuously just go, well, we don't care about February, we don't care about March. When does the audience stop caring about June? I think I think there's a there's a possibility of it. I don't think it's likely. 
I, I, cause you know, you know how people are. They they talk a tough game. We're gonna boycott, and then two days later they're watching. But I yeah, think, with all the people, all the people moved to Canada after the election. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going yeah. to Canada. Okay. <laughs> all right. Don't um, be a no, I, so I Well, they couldn't go because it's tougher to get into their border. You know what I mean? As yeah. long as LeBron's still playing, as long as Pop's still playing, as long as uh, coaching, as long as Steph and the they're, they're, whatever they're doing in Golden State is still around, as long as you have that Bird versus Magic or Jordan versus Drexler or some storyline to keep showing, there's the people are going to tune in in June. If it's if it's a if it's a third. Warriors-Cavs matchup, there's going to be millions and millions of people watching this matchup. And the NBA, That's if true. I'm the league, I have more vested in that than I do, you know, Clippers-Cavs in the middle of March. Okay. Um, you know, and the, and, the, and the other part of that, you know, is, is they, as much as people want to complain about how much they get paid during the regular season to suit up, they don't get paid a dime in the, in the, in the playoffs. Their, their checks are 82, you know, based on the 82 games. So they're, they're, that spigot of income gets turned off once the postseason rolls oh. around. So they're playing for free. Wow, well, that's you know, a and, little... <laughs> and, well, hold on. So, I mean, you, you can't, you get you can't really cut it both ways there. Do you know what I mean? You get bonuses and stuff for making playoffs and making the finals, right? It's not, it's not free. It's just not salaried, right? Well, so, I mean, some guys do. There's, they, there's a revenue split for the team, but a lot of that will go to, like, uh, equipment guys and the, and the training staff and these people who don't get all this money during the yeah. regular season. God forbid they the feed teams, their the, kids. The teams typically throw them the bone because the players made twenty million dollars, you know, for their for their regular season contribution. Yeah. So there's sucking you know, up the, the, the risk reward is much much different in the in the in the, in the regular season than it is in the NBA you know or in the NBA playoffs. Dude, Tristan Thompson made a hundred million dollars. He can give me three games in July. You know what I mean? Like you know, that's got I am. I'm gonna be a typical fan at that point. Suck it up, lace up the shoes and play. So baseball season right around the corner. We're talking to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. And uh, I hear the Indians have lost a pitcher to Tommy John surgery. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Cody Anderson. Um, yeah, kind of. Who cares? You know, <laughs> I, he, you know, he was. You know, yes, you want the depth, um, and he he did have a better second half than he did in the first half, but he was an absolute mitigated, unmitigated disaster to start the season. Um, they, if you remember, they moved Trevor Bauer to the bullpen to to put Cody Anderson in the rotation, and a lot of us were kind of puzzled by that move. But Tito really, really liked Cody Anderson, and he did nothing but get lit up through the first couple of weeks of the season and actually cost the team a couple of games, you know, by, by himself. So, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a loss in the way of injuries, but I'd be more concerned about, you know, a six week timetable on Jason Kipnis's shoulder and, you know, the, the low velocity on, on Carlos Carrasco's fastball and things like that. I those guys are much bigger pieces to this puzzle than uh, what Cody Anderson would have brought. Fair. What is the story with Jason Kipnis? I just wish I knew the team has, as they have been for several years now, very, very, let's say, opaque when it comes to injuries. Um, they, they, they tell you one thing, and then they come back and say, oops, you know, here's the update. They did it many times last year with Michael Brantley. They did it two years ago with Jason Kipnis when he had an ab issue, and then they, did, they waited until the middle of the summer before they said, oh, well, he's been battling through an ab issue all season long, so that's why he's batting 210. Um, you know, I give them no benefit of the doubt when it comes to these injuries and how they handle them. So it'll be very interesting to see how he rehabilitates and gets better because shoulder injuries are no joke when it comes to baseball. So I'm, I'm, I don't know how it happened. Um, they, you know, they said it was nothing to be concerned about uh, about a month ago, and then now he's shut down for six weeks. So we'll see what happens. But it's, it's, it's no bueno because they don't have a lot of quality depth you know, at that second base spot unless they want to move some pieces around. 
So Michael Brantley played the other day. Uh, you, you see signs of life there, or uh, what's happening there? More than I was. I mean, if you remember back a couple months ago, and we were talking about how I would say anything's a bonus that you get out of this guy. He, he looks he looks good. Swings are good. He's driving driving pitches to all fields. Um, you know, and the the trick is he feels good the next day. You know, a lot of times they they'll they'll, they'll feel good when they're doing it, and then they'll wake up the next morning and feel like they're forty five. Where you know, it seems like he's he's on the right track. So I I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic there. But the team, especially if a guy like Jason Kipnis can't play early on, really really needs him to to be healthy. And it, and it almost goes back to the NBA discussion. They need these guys for the stretch run. If they if they have to sit for two weeks in April. I think you stomach that as an Indians fan because you need them later on. You can't afford to have what happened last season with with all of the injuries that they sustained down the, those final few weeks. We're talking to Scott from winningfornextyear.com, as we always do, Mondays at 8. And I believe you said you have a new NBA piece coming out on the site, winningfornextyear.com, at 845. Do I have that right? You got it, sir. Eight, it's, mostly, it's mostly making fun of Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson and all the crazy things they were saying on Saturday. You'll be able to find that at waitingfornextyear.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next Monday at 8, Scott. Sounds good, guys. Take care. I always say on the show that if you boycott something or if you protest something, all you're going to do is make that thing stronger. I now have proof of that. We'll give you that next on Rock 106.9. Tone from the Stansberry Show, and it has been one year since I've had my LASIK surgery done at the Roholt Vision Institute, and let me tell you, I could not be happier with the results. And of course, a huge part of that is how well I'm seen, dude. I have 2015 vision, which is better than perfect. And along with the great vision, let me tell you about the convenience. I mean, my life is so so much easier without looking for my glasses all the time or having to worry about my contacts. Do I need to order them? Do I need more solution? That's all off my plate now. So if you've been thinking about LASIK surgery, let me tell you, now is the time to act. Go see if you're a good candidate and find out their financing options at RollHoltVision.com. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Show on Rock 106.9. Online for you, WRQK.com. I'm actually looking ahead at tomorrow's program as we do New Tur Tuesday at 9 o'clock every yeah. morning. Brought to you by the Hard Rock Roxino. We have a, uh, a a new song from a band called uh, Hey Violet, a group called Hey Violet. Guys My Age is the name of that song. Interested to hear that. New Garth Brooks, Ask Me How I Know. And brand new, Avenged Sevenfold on tomorrow's program for New Tour Tuesday. There it is. Looking forward to that. I uh, I will admit that I like the Avenged Sevenfold. I, uh, I, that's, a, that's a, again, another radio rock band I like. I have long said this. And I maintain that it is true that I did like Avenged Sevenfold better when they were called Iron Maiden. I did I did like that version of Avenged Sevenfold better, but uh, I will give Avenged Sevenfold some credit. They have uh, they have made some songs that I really like. Yeah, they, I mean, there's cool sounding band. Like, are they reinventing the wheel? No, no, they're not. And if you're expecting that, you're going to be Nobody's disappointed. Reinventing the wheel. Right, <laughs> but I don't want you to reinvent the wheel. I just the want wheel's you to. Good. Watch it play some kick ass rock songs. The wheel's all right. I remember when Backcountry first came out, yeah. and my, my program director at the time, I said, dude, we got to get on this record. And he said, he's like, it's just a little too cool for us yet. He was like, this isn't, you know, this isn't the station that breaks bands like that. And I was like, okay, you know what I mean? And having spent more time in the industry, I kind of figured out what he meant. There are, you know, stations that are more apt to do that versus stations that are like, you know what? That's not necessarily our thing. We'll wait till people love it. And, uh, it was. When you first heard Bad Country, it just sounded like noise at first. You were like, what is that? But you could tell something was different about it. I'm a little um, 
And I guess I can't put this necessarily on Avenged Sevenfold, but I can remember hearing Backcountry when it first came out. And I can remember kind of even thinking, it was a decade ago at this point, I can remember thinking, like, maybe these will be the guys that save rock and roll. Yeah. Maybe these will be the dudes who are able to, uh, to, you know, put the entire genre on their back and carry it uphill. I don't know if they've been able to. They've been probably... Have they been the best of what rock has had to offer for 10 years? It's up there. I mean, I mean they've got to be in the top five of it. I mean, at that point, if, you're, if you're saying the past 10 years... Like, who's been bigger? We're, we're taking Foo Fighters out because they're pre, they predate 10 years ago, right? So we're ta- if we're taking them out of the equation, if I'm taking... Because at and that the point, best of what they've done isn't within 10, 10 years. years, right? So we're talking Avenged Sevenfold, Stone Sour, probably a decade ago, within the last 10 years. So maybe Stone Sour. And then you've got a bunch of that next level down of what Saving Able, of uh. Three Doors Down, of Pop Evil, of those bands. You know what I mean? Like, who else has been able to do anything in the past 10? 10 years. Let me see. Avenged is a good pick. I mean, they're a good pick. Five Finger. Okay. All right. Okay. I mean, I'm just looking for bands we didn't mention. Um, I mean, the best of what Seether has done hasn't been within the last 10. Yeah. I'd I'd probably put them on a step down. Seether on a step down. I feel like Avenged, um, Five Finger, those are headliners at a a festival. Seether's that next step down. Still big font, but not one of the top ones. Playing when the sun goes down. Probably not going to headline a day of Rock on the Range. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That is true. I really like Seether, and I like them more than that, but that, but they aren't bigger than that. Yeah, I would have to say Avenged Sevenfold's probably the biggest band in the last 10 years. A7X is what the kids call them. Is that right? That's right. I feel like that's what my parents would say in thinking that's what I call them. But they're, they're not bad, the Avenged Sevenfold. I actually, uh, there's a lot of them uh, stuff I did. How do we start talking about Avenged Sevenfold again? What are we <laughs> Tomorrow, New Tour Tuesday. Oh, okay. And uh, their new song, Goddamn, tomorrow, 9 o'clock. So I say this a lot, and it's definitely more true when you're talking pop culture stuff, mm-hmm. that the more you protest something, the more you're going to help it. And see, I came out with that theory after the PMRC hearings from the 80s when I was a kid because I remember Nikki Six said, wait a minute, you're going to put a sticker on my record that tells kids that their parents are going to hate the record. He, Nikki went and to the label and said, make it bigger. Motley Crue, one of Motley Crue's records, it was actually bigger than on every other record because Nikki was smart and he knew, oh my God, this is going to make kids want my record so bad. And he was right. Okay. The more you protest against something like this, especially pop culture and art type stuff, the bigger it will be. And we've been talking about this now for a few weeks because it's been in the story, but this Beauty and the Beast movie oh, yeah. is all anybody is talking about. And I said this the other day. Again, the movie theater wasn't going to show it. And I said, let the movie theater, let that owner be who he is and the marketplace shall depict. Why weren't they going to show it? Because uh, the one character, is it LeFou? Do I have this right? I've never seen uh, Beauty and the Beast. I've never seen a version of this movie, let alone this version. All right? But I'll be honest. All the talk about this version makes me want to see it. Like, I want to see it. But I think LeFou is the, is the character's name. And I'll be honest, that kind of sounds like that was a gay character before Josh Gatt played it. But maybe, you know, maybe I don't know. But 
It has done $350 million worldwide. Wow. And why? Because you kept telling everybody, oh my God, they're shoving all those gay agenda and all that. And all the people who were kind of on the fence went, you know what? You're not bullying us. You're not going to be this don't put gay people in movie thing. We're going to show you. And they went to the theaters in droves. Now, it's a Disney movie. It was going to make money yeah. no matter what. Yeah. So a little bit of it is that. And I knew, I know that. But $350 million worldwide, 170 in America. Well, obviously you didn't hurt it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know whether you did or did not help it by protesting it, but obviously you didn't hurt it. You, you, you didn't accomplish your goal. I mean, it's undeniable. $350 million opening weekend. It's a lot of money. You got to think that's worldwide, too. We're not necessarily every country is going to be as 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 progressive as America is when it comes to homosexual issues. Yeah, but on the flip side, some are more. Some are more, right. Yeah. I, yes. So it, but balance there. Right, it, it, just, it just, to me, seems like, well, you know, you, you wanted to... You wanted to keep people out of this theater and you didn't succeed at all dude it's like telling your kids don't eat those cookies what's that kid want he only wants what people only want what they what other people tell them you shouldn't have um of course you know yeah, yes I mean, yes it's, it's true of boyfriends and girlfriends all kinds you're of stuff. never gonna talk to them again yeah, okay okay sure i'm not. all right um i wonder how gay this was because obviously <sighs> Pretty, like i mean 350 well, million dollars i mean like is gay. it that gay i'm sure there's people in the audience who have seen the movie and i mean was it like really that gay was it like dudes making out with dudes and boys and butts and boners and all those things or like i don't hey, well then what are we all freaking out about what i don't are we, what are we talking because about? he was openly gay how and and look, I don't care. You know, I don't. But care about but that. my question is, in a, in the context of a Disney movie, how is he presented as openly gay? Does he does he have an erection for another man? I believe he has a partner. I haven't seen the movie, but from what I understand, is that there's a story. Are like. they making out? Are they kissing? Are they? Are, you know now, what I'm saying? I, I just don't, I would love to know how gay this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up. As a buddy of mine has just recently started watching Game of Thrones, right? So he and his girlfriend are now watching Game of Thrones. Nerds! And he had never seen it before. And so they've got me now, like, having talking to him and his girlfriend about it. I'm like, oh, well, God, yeah, I forgot about that. And I forgot about that. And I forgot about it. So I've started to rewatch Game of Thrones again. I started binge watching again. I'm almost honestly done with season two already. And uh, I forgot that a lot of the same people... Who are going to be like, don't make LeFou gay or whatever the guy's name is. Sorry, right. if I don't have that character name right, I, I apologize. It, it, you know, don't make that character gay. A lot of you are Game of Thrones fans. And I'll remind you that in the first episode, the pilot episode, season one, they show a brother and they show it. They don't allude to it. They show you Jamie Lannister railing his sister. They show it to you. And so, like, incest is okay in in what Phantom refers to as My Little Dragon, little dragon show, show, which, is, again, dragons. is not real. It did not really take place. So, show. incest, yes. Gay characters in movies, no. Well, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, at the core of Beauty and the Beast, we are talking about a woman having sex with an animal. I mean, that's a relationship that we're talking about here. So, bestiality, yeah, I'm all right with it, but as soon as those two dudes start holding hands... <laughs> it just it just seems really weird. So I have this. Uh, I do have a message from a listener named Mike Schaefer, and okay. uh, he, you know he wrote this in. He says, "I went and saw Beauty and the Beast this past weekend with my daughter. Honestly, if the media wouldn't have made such a big thing, I wouldn't have even noticed." 
As you said, those Disney characters are meant to be flamboyant and out there. At the very end of the movie, everyone is celebrating and dancing. The one male character finds himself dancing with another male. <gasps> oh my god! It was two seconds until they changed the scene. Most kids, I'm sure, didn't even notice or didn't think anything of it, and I would imagine that was true. So it wasn't just a boner and butt fest. He says, no one kissed, no one even hugged. There wasn't what? even an indication that the two males were interested in each other. It was actually a great movie. Mike, thank you for that, because I did not have clarification on that. And actually, Devin, who wrote, uh, wrote in said the same thing she it says that, 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 that this wasn't like overly gay and i'm telling you i think you gotta be careful of and, and i said about the movie theater guy let him not show the movie the marketplace will depict whether or not his movie place is is acceptable regal and cinemark and all those companies they're gonna show you the movie they're gonna they're gonna screen the movie and i tell people all the time quit overreacting Quit boycotting things that don't need to be boycotted because all you're doing is making it more powerful. Like, I will go back to the PMRC hearings. We got to put parental advisory stickers on these records. And all you did was make a bunch of bands who sucked sell platinum albums who should have never sold that many records. Your fear and your rhetoric only makes what you're against that much stronger. I don't know how many times I got to be proved right about this before you guys start to listen. Quit overreacting you and your children will be fine no matter what hollywood's agenda is we'll be right back with more sansbury show heck 1069 win yourself some corn tickets 9 30 this morning they play blossom august 2nd bringing stone sour part of that that'll be a good show man i mean corn could get out there hour and a half playing nothing but songs you've heard you know what i mean like that's how long they That'll be a good show. Yeah. August 2nd out of Blossom. We'll, uh, we'll get you into that around 9.30. And again, tomorrow, 9 o'clock. New Tour Tuesday. You're getting new Hey Violet, new Garth Brooks, new Event Sevenfold. All the It's going to be awesome. You know, we were talking about the best bands, uh, you know, in, in the last 10 years. Somebody reached out to me and said, what about Disturbed? Yeah, I mean, you can make an argument for them, but and most of their best stuff longer than 10 years ago. It's not like Disturbed came out in 07. Right. I mean, I mean, it's, um, I mean it's been a while now. Yeah, if we're, if we're looking at the past decade of bands that have come out and made themselves relevant I mean, in I the can past the, decade. I can make the argument that Disturbed has been bad 10 years straight. Right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> most of their best stuff 15 years old. When did 10,000 Fists come out? 2008? Probably. 2007? Yeah, so that's, I mean, and that's about the last time they were, like, Disturbed was 10,000 so, yeah, you can make the argument. It's been about a decade that they've been bad. They sucked. I don't know. You know, I don't know about all that. I just got sucked into one of these clickbait things uh, during the commercial break. You won't believe what these 10 actors are doing now. Uh, like that whole thing. Like I just got into one of those slideshow clickbait things. Slideshows suck, dude. I hate websites that put slideshows up. Yeah, it's web hits. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it sucks. It's just the way that they, you know, they document that, uh, you know, their people. And I found that the kid who played Chunk from the Goonies right. is now a lawyer. Yeah, I think I've heard that before. Where are they now? Now, not that he can't be smart, not that he can't, but right, like, how do you tell people, yeah, Chunk's my lawyer? No, Captain Chunk. <laughs> um, yes, of course, but, I mean, you got to remember that most of these, you know, obviously actors, but, like, you know, if this is, like, kind of a one-hit wonder kid like Chunk, it's not like he went on to go do other things, so he was going to have to get a job eventually. Right. Those Goonies checks aren't going to pay for everything. No, so. no, no, I, no, I'm not trying to stop him from making a living, but, like, I don't, 
Like if I was on, I don't know what kind of lawyer he is, right? There's like a million different kinds, but it didn't get into that. But if I were on trial for my life, like the, you know what I mean? Like Captain Chunk isn't my guy. Well, but but you have to remember, like he's grown. It's not like you're gonna have the kid doing the truffle shuffle. There's gonna be there's gonna be um um uh, what's his name? It's not Sloth. Oh uh, no, Sloth. Right? Wasn't that the guys uh, with the baby? The hey, you guys guy. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so it's not like it's a, he's not gonna do the truffle shuffle at the, at the in front of the judge. Like he's I'm sure you're gonna wear a suit. How many people hired him because that's who he is? Probably a couple. Right? I mean, probably a lot, right? And you yeah. probably knew that. Yeah. Dude, play play you know play to your strengths, dude. If you got some sort of notoriety, play it up. Dude, speaking of the lawyers and like you and I were talking about this the other day, you know, off the air, um, and and you had said I don't know if I could get into a John Lithgow project in 2017. He's got this new right. show on NBC called Trial and Error. Right. I didn't watch the second. I taped them both. Um, I wa- dude, the pilot episode is actually pretty funny, and they're not leaning as heavily. On him as the marketing did. Yeah, I was going to say the commercials make it seem otherwise. He's a focal point, obviously. But in the pilot, at least, you dealt with some of the other characters much more to establish them, and they were leaning on the Lithgow thing so you would watch it. Now, it's a comedy, and it's John Lithgow's wife is murdered, and he's trying to, like, uh, prove his innocence. Prove his innocence. But it's a comedy. And you find out that his first wife was killed in the very same, uh, similar fashion. Yes, it's very, you know, it's a small town, never seen a crime this big, kind of like one of those kind of things. And actually, I you know, like I said, there were, you know, sometimes they'll promote show they'll do two episodes back to back right i taped them both um i didn't watch the second one yet but the pilot was actually funnier than i thought it was going to be i don't know how much life they'll get out of it but the pilot was better than that looked i can now provide for you the best times of your life i can do that and so we'll do it next on rock 106.9 show on Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 1069. About a half hour away from getting you hooked up with corn tickets as they play Blossom Music Center August the 2nd. Bringing Stone Sour with them to a bunch of others. We'll pass up those tickets at 9.30 this morning. And again tomorrow, 9 o'clock, New Turk Tuesday, New Hay Violet, New Garth Brooks, New Event Sevenfold. Looking forward to that tomorrow. Should be a good one. I like the Event Sevenfold. A, uh, so I'm interested to hear that. You got a local uh, lined up yet? I have a couple to, to look through. Okay. Um, okay. But I, I have not made my final decision as of yet. But yes, there will be a local song on tomorrow for New Tier Tuesday. You can make your submissions to stansburywrqk.com. Include a short little bio on the band. Make sure the song is radio edited, ready for airplay, no F words and the like. And we'll uh, try to get you premiered on New Tier Tuesday. I can now give you the times of your life. All right. This is a basically a rundown of when you will be the best at something any given year of your particular life. Okay. Understand what I'm saying here? Okay. I'll give you an example. They say math skills you are best at around 50 years of age. Ooh, says, hey, you, you may be completely baffled by your kid's uh, math homework, but the good news is, is that your math brain is at its best at 50. That's the age we can solve mental arithmetic the quickest. Okay, okay. So when you're talking about like, well, when it just comes to day-to-day math that you use on a regular basis, as you get older, you get better at it. I still don't know if I buy that, dude. I mean, I feel like as a kid, you're just so much more 
able to process information. I feel like at 50, you're just old. Wow. Well, I mean, like old in the sense of old in the sense wow. of of your brain not functioning quite as well as it used to, not quite absorbing as much as it used to. I would think I would think, you know, 14 is when you'd be at your smartest, like the seventh grade, as opposed to at 50. You might have problems focusing maybe at 14. And so maybe you're focused more at 50. Right. But but I with you, I was shocked when I read that, that at age 50, that's when your brain processes arithmetic the best i would have never guessed 50 either i would have guessed 25 or under for sure maybe it is just that mental math that day-to-day how much change do i get back or what's you know whatever but when it comes to like when it comes to more than arithmetic when it comes to actual math a teenager makes sense but it would have for me too now they say the best year of your life or when you can capitalize the most on the other end on your physical strength yeah is 25 your muscles reach their peak at 25 stay on track for the next 10 to 15 years so after 35 40 it's over and everybody knows that but yeah for about 25 is your peak physical condition I would say most people would probably say younger than that probably 17 18 19 because my guess would have been 19 to 22 because when you, once you get to 25 and I guess we're just looking at this from like a, a common man's perspective of like once you get to 25 you've already been working for a couple years you've already been sitting at your desk now if you're talking like an athlete yeah 25 year old athlete that's why you have to play four years of college right or three years of college get versus, your body built right for the NFL right, so you right. don't get murdered okay. now attractiveness is different you are the most attractive at 23. Now, that's if you're a woman. Yeah. M- men find women most attractive when they are 23 years old. That doesn't change as much as men get older, according to uh, a study that was done about seven years ago. Sounds about right. Women, on the other hand, change the age they prefer men to be as they age themselves. Okay? Guys always find a 23-year-old to be attractive, where women will change. Generally, they find men the same age or slightly older to be more attractive. Makes sense. And... I've long heard, I don't know if this is 100% true or not, but I've long heard that men age better than women. I don't know if that's, yeah. I don't know if that's true. Well, when you look at it from that perspective of, of we view a 23-year-old as, 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 you know, the prime, the prime real estate right there, where if you're, if you're being viewed differently as women progress and they get older, of course it's going to kind of, you know, well, yeah, 45-year-old guy is going to, going to look better than a 45-year-old woman. The I will say that there is a male leaning bias here also because like gray hair, right? right? Like if a man has gray hair or even just like salt and peppered, it's considered to be like dignified, right? Right. Where that's not going to be the case with women and gray hair, even losing your hair. I, I know no man wants to be bald, but like. There's definitely much more of a stigma of women losing their hair than men. Well, and I mean, you know, if we're really going to take a back, look back at it, let's look at how many examples there are of a woman having to date down for her man versus a man having to date down for his woman. Women have to do it all the time. They have to settle. Where guys, I feel like... Date up? As date far up. as looks go? Right. Oh, God, all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, all the time. I would agree with that. Now, going back to this arithmetic thing there, this the whole list here says that you are the best at doing math in your head around, uh, you know age 50. Okay. But this now proves you your uh, theory to be right cuz your overall brain power peaks at 18. According to a study published in 2016 oh, which got people to equate a number with a certain symbol then quizzed and then quizzed got the uh, got to pair them from memory, 18-year-olds had the sharpest gray matter. Um 
Yeah, I can I can see that. Number one, you're younger and, and, and you just don't have as much bogging your brain down. Number two, you're probably more accustomed to taking tests and doing things like that where where you know you're, you're being a asked sharper. to do that stuff more and more. Right. Where as an older person you probably haven't used that part of your brain in a while. So I've given you a few examples here, right? Okay. So now I'm I'm gonna ask you if you can maybe then say you know, to estimate which age you'd be really good at doing this or that. All okay. right. At what age do you think you are best at being able to learn a language? I would say younger for sure. I would probably say under five. Wow. Okay. That's uh, you're much closer than I thought you would be. They say seven or eight years old. Okay. Now I I, I was shocked when I read that because I was like, do most eight year olds I well first of all I don't know a ton of them, but do most eight year olds I know even have a mastery of English? Let alone being able to learn another language, but you know you're more open. They say, yeah, and it's not so much as like a mastery of it, but it's an absorption of it. And and obviously, as you go down the the rabbit hole of life, and you get older and older and older, your brain's going to shut off new things. And like, I don't even want to have to deal with that. You get them while they're young, and 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 you know their brains are like a sponge. At what age do you feel? Uh, would you guess that your vocabulary would peak? Um, I would hope older in life, so I'll say 50. 71 years old. Okay, yeah. They claim your vocabulary peaks, which obviously the more time you spend on Earth, the more things you learn, the more things you read, the more words you're going to know. Now, you can make the argument that you would lose yeah, the lose, knowledge of definitions of words along the way. And you'd also lose opportunity to use those words and to, and to incorporate those words into your life. Where That's like, true, too. If you're not at work, if you're just sitting around retired all day, I would, I'm surprised there's not some deterioration at that age. At what age do you think you top out for life satisfaction? Um, I'm going to say probably in your mid to late 40s through f- mid to late 50s, probably. At 23 years old, really? they say that is when you peak for life satisfaction. Life satisfaction? Maybe like excitement I could see at 23, but satisfaction? Really? I agree with you. I wow. felt like that was worded poorly. I... Now, this is true for me. Now, I didn't start chasing my career of choice until a little later in life. Like, I, I was like, I think I was 25 when I made the decision to get in this. Yeah, but it's not like you were like, it's not like you were like I an wasn't old 50. man. Right. I wasn't 50. So for me, I can tell you, honestly, this is the most satisfied I've been with my life maybe ever is right now. And so th- it's definitely not true of me that 23, I mean, at 23, I was honestly lost and confused and wondering what I was going to do. Satisfied with my life in the sense of, I didn't care so much about things. I was very like, dude, who cares? Whatever. I'm at the bars. I'm doing, I'm banging chicks all the but time. I'm yes. smoking cigarettes. Life's cool. But, but that's that not wasn't true. me satisfied. That's not true satisfaction. Right. Right. That's, that's you. That's content. Is, is that what careless. that is? I, I was. I was super careless because I didn't worry about anything back then. But that dude, 23, and I'm surprised they said your brain's at its best at age 18. I just look at, 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 at number one, I was dumb back then. And number two, I didn't know, I couldn't be satisfied with my life because I didn't know what satisfied me at that point. Point. I really didn't. I you you're know, not you yet, right? At that point, it, what satisfied me still was like do drinking and drugging and whores and all that, and like that's that's not what I want out of my life anymore. That's what I want out of Monday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at what age do you think you're strongest to, to be able to settle down? Um, thirty. Twenty six years old is the age you are most likely to have met the partner you will settle with, and if you get married between twenty eight and thirty two, you are less likely to divorce. I would agree here. Yeah. I think I think there are people that have rushed into marriage like right out of college or maybe while they're in college and because that's what you know maybe society or their family or whatever has kind of told them that they should be doing and then you get into things a little too soon. I like people being 
you know, through college, outside, in the adult world, kind of shaping who you really are before trying to add somebody to it. Well, the further established you can be in your career and your life and all those things before you try to expand on those things, before you try to grow your family or do anything like that, obviously I think you'll be in a better situation. Um, People who do get married right out of high school, 18, 19, whatever that is, or people who wait, and I would say, you know, of you, who's over on the other side of that 32, 33, 35, where they say you should get married, um, even people like you, it's not so much that you'd be too immature for it now, but obviously you've gone this far down the rabbit hole without wanting to get married, and if you were to make that decision, like, yo, I'm just going to do it, of course you're going to end up getting divorced, because yes. you didn't really want to do it anyway, right. you're just doing it because you feel fear backed into alone. that corner, right? Yeah, the, yeah my, you know, I, I always say that, yeah, the fear of uh, you know being alone is, it, it haunts people, it doesn't necessarily haunt me, but it does haunt people. They say, understanding your emotions at 51 years old, you're the best at doing that, and a recent study, scientists okay. gathered about 10,000 people showed them pictures cropped tightly around the subject's eyes and asked them to describe what emotion the person uh, pictured was feeling. They found the ability to read how others feel maximizes in your 40s and 50s. Yes, you're just, you've been through some things. Life has beaten you down a couple of times right. on your own, and you are more sympathetic to somebody right. else's plight. That is obviously going to be true. This one I like a lot. They say that your salary is best between 39 and 48. They say on average, women's salaries peak around 39. That's because many of them see their pay slow in their 30s. As they start to have families, they just work less. Men's wages, however, continue to rise and peak around 48 years old. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed on that one. These are uh, at the point of your life when you will do things the best. And happiness with your body, Fantone, comes in at 74 years old is when you're happiest with your body. That's not happy. You've just realized you got two days left on planet (laughs) Earth and you've learned. That's acceptance. Yeah, what do you care? That's acceptance, not happiness. We have corn tickets and you won't believe what Mel Gibson's up to. We'll give you both those next. Hang on. 6-9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 1069. We have corn tickets. They're playing August 2nd. We'll pass those out here shortly. Do want to remind you if you're car shopping, you can check out some loan options via CSE Federal Credit Union. It's the bank I use. And why I like it is there's no application or processing fees for your loan with CSE, no prepayment penalties. You can get a great rate. And terms available up to 84 months help keep your payment down if you're car shopping. Do have warranties available as well? You can find out more info, make an appointment via their website, which is cscfcu.com. Again, that website, cscfcu.com. If you're in the public eye for any period of time, for a, a substantial period of time, more likely than not, what is going to happen is you are going to upset people and suffer a PR nightmare. This is what, and we honestly take our hat off to LeBron James a lot, is because his PR nightmares have primarily been about the sport. There's never been an arrest. There's never been accusations of, you know, domestic violence or any of this, you know, sexist or racist stuff coming in from LeBron. The worst thing I've ever heard is that he might have a mistress on the side. (gasps) Now, that's obviously not great, okay? But A, I don't know it to be fact. I've heard right, I've just right. heard plenty of rumors about it. I hear he's got a woman in Hudson with kids and that, you know, he kind of pays for it to keep quiet. I don't know that to be true, but I have heard it. But even if it were true, 
If that were the worst thing to happen about LeBron James, it's not that bad. That's bad for Savannah. It's not bad for all of us. Right. It's not the same thing as murdering somebody, raping somebody, doing these things that there are no gray areas right. on. I'm not saying like, hey, go cheat on your spouse today, but there's gray area in that where, exactly. where, where you know, other things there's he- not may even be allowed. We don't know the inner workings of his relationship. The thing that I hear from him, and this is you know a little offensive to me as somebody who served, is that he's a terrible tipper. But if that's it, then what are we talking about? Okay, right? yeah, there has been that. But what are we talking about? There's no law that says you have to tip. You know what I mean? Like, well, Yeah, only the decency law. But right. right, I mean, you can't. Right. Given some of the things that we've seen other celebrities be raked over the coals for, that's not the worst one. Now, Mel Gibson is a guy who has been in trouble publicly more than once, and his name's coming out more and more now these days because he just directed that Hacksaw Ridge movie that was up for an Oscar or whatever, and one of his most famous brands that he was associated with, Mel Gibson, was Lethal Weapon, which they've redone into a Fox television show, which just wrapped up season one, already confirmed for season two. When are they going to do that with the passion of the Christ? You know what I'm saying? Just get Jesus up there. Let him get his own sitcom, Fox. Dude, this Wednesday on Fox, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. (laughs) Dude, that totally should do that. Dude, here's Jesus would be a good show. (laughs) Here's Jesus. Jesus. All right, well, we'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, 7.30, here's Jesus, premieres Rock 106.9. That is a good idea for a TV show. But Mel Gibson has suffered multiple PR nightmares. Uh, we have a, a piece of audio here, actually. Was this his wife at the time? Yeah, is it, so. is he Justin, you may have forgotten about this. Here's Mel being recorded talking to his then-wife. One more you go out time. in public and it's a embarrassment to me. You look like a bitch on heat. And if you get raped by a pack of Okay. Wow. I'll see that. Wow. I, I think most of you understand what he said there. Wow. Which is if you get raped by a pack of N words. Wow. And he kind of makes the, I, I, again, he wow. says you deserve it or it was your fault. First of all, no, you don't. Nobody deserves that. I don't care no. what you're wearing. No, nobody okay? deserves to be raped. Now, are guys going to look at you if you're provocatively dressed? Are they maybe going to say inappropriate things to you? Yes. Do you deserve that? I don't know. We're getting into a weird territory there. I don't like telling people what they deserve and what they don't. But at the end of the day, I don't care what you wear. I don't care if you're wearing a shirt that says rape me. Nobody should put their hands on you unless you've told people to put their hands on you. Right. Okay? So I, so he's wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 to, not to ignore the fact that, you know, it just wasn't, hey, if you go out and get raped, it's if you get raped by a pack of African-American males. Yeah. So, I mean, like, oh, okay, all right. Well, uh, well. And what I think you're seeing there is him describing what would be a horrific thing right. for him, right. which is his wife sleeping with somebody who is African-American. I don't think he meant to drive home the rape part. If he did, he would have just kept it focused on that. But no, he brought something else into it, right. which I think tells you what his fear is, which is her preferring, preferring sex with, with African-American males over him. I think that's probably some of that. Now, I'm projecting. I don't know that to be true. I'm projecting. But he's also had, and I remember this well because I did this story live on the air, where he had been arrested for drunk driving. Right. And this we don't have audio of. We just have the transcript here. And he was arrested and actually uh, resisted that arrest and ran towards back his own vehicle and got to go home, which was weird. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that seemed to be weird that, you know, he was able to, like, break free from the cops, ran towards his own car, and he lived. That's weird. I wonder how that happened. But we have here some transcripts there where he starts talking about how he owns Malibu and he's going to ruin this cop's life and all this stuff. And they get him in the back of the car and they start taking him to the police station and 
He was threatening the officer, saying, he owns Malibu. I'm going to spend all my money to get even with you. And then he starts in on the anti-Semitic remarks about, <laughs> again, I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. That's wildly inappropriate. I don't mean to laugh. He starts in on his anti-Semitic remarks, and it, you know, it, he basically says these goddamn Jews, right, is essentially what he says. Then he yelled out, the Jews are responsible for all the wars in the world, he said. And then asked the officer, are you a Jew? Okay, which obviously is not appropriate. And he was hammered drunk. And this officer was Jewish, if I remember all that correctly. I believe he was. Yes, I believe I believe that was part of the thing. And so, um, you know, and that seems to upset Mel Gibson for some reason. Okay, so he suffered a huge PR nightmare for this. And yeah. it was a while before anybody would put him in anything or he would be heard from again in a positive note. And I remember then what was it, it, it like Expendables 3. Oh, he yeah. had a small role in that. He was in uh, one of the Machete movies, one of the one of those Danny, Was that after the Yeah, it was one after of those that. Danny Trejo movies. And then he had kind of done like a a straight to Netflix movie before it was like stars could do that and like he had done one of those and he was like trying to work his way back. So I came across this story over the weekend about Mel Gibson that I, that I found to be very interesting. And it says here that, you know, he was made famous back in 06 is when all that stuff happened. But since then, apparently, according to Zane Busby, which is the founder of the project, Mel Gibson has been working to help Holocaust survivors since this happened. Zane Busby is the founder of uh, the Survivor Mitzvah Project, and he told Extra TV, I'm sorry, it's her. Zane is, I'm sorry, it's her. I apologize. That her charity helps bring emergency aid to Holocaust survivors in Eastern Europe who are in desperate need of food, medicine, heat, and shelter. We see this kind of stuff all the time with like military, you know, uh, you know right. charities in this country. Right. It's kind of the same thing for Holocaust survivors over there. And... The, uh, the the Survivor Mit, uh, Mitzvah Project, Mitzvah uh, meaning good deed, after the charity approached him to see if he would like to get involved, he's been an avid supporter of the organization for years now, she says, and doesn't just write a check. Apparently, he gets his hands dirty, goes over there, and meets with people, and has been doing this, and uh, he has been to the office and personally learned about the mission and the people help uh, that we help on an ongoing basis. He's helped raise additional funds by getting others involved. Mills feel great compassion for what this organization does, she says, and he doesn't publicly promote most of his, uh, you know, his actions with us, but he quietly helps out. And this brings up a very interesting point of conversation, which is what's more beneficial or what's more, I guess, authentic is how people will look at this. Is it because we get accused of doing this all the time, doing something good, then talking about it and looking to exploit that or right. be be recognized right. for it here. But well, I am going to and, and I think people are wrong ultimately about that. But I'm going to take off my hat here to Mel Gibson because I can buy into this more versus this looking like an apology. Well, I guess the thing I'll say about this is, uh, you know, it's not like this was a once off, you know, oh, my God, I acted terribly and I really apologize for it. This was a pattern of behavior for Mel Gibson. And if he has kind of, I guess, quote unquote, no, we've seen now multiple groups of minorities where he was saying awful things. Bigotry about. is yeah. not is, is not is not is not, a, you know, it's not egregious to him. He feels like that at one point in his life felt like that was acceptable. And if if. 
he truly has come to see the light, I guess, good. But there's a part of this. And even when he when he made the decision of, hey, I'm going to get involved with this and I'll go out there and get my hands dirty and I won't even talk about it much. There's a part of that where he knows that's the best way to do it. You know that if you want to gain favor back, if you this, have to do it quietly. If you, this leaks out, it's better for him than if he publicly if, promotes exactly. it. Exactly. Agreed. So, so excuse me for not giving Mel Gibson the benefit of the doubt when it comes to something like this, but this does feel at the very least like it could be, ah, oh, dude, I'm so, I'm sorry I got caught. If I wouldn't have gotten caught in this, I never would have been involved in this. Maybe that is the case. Well, yeah, because I think what happens there is is you don't realize the ramifications of your actions maybe until something comes crashing down. Well, but if you're doing it because of the ramifications of your actions, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're doing this as like, oh, I have to atone for this, well, then you don't really feel it. You just want to be a celebrity again. You just want people to like you again. Yeah, this is probably twofold. This is what I always say about Toby Keith, too. I believe he believes... In, in helping soldiers, and I believe, and I know his dad and all that, and and I believe there's some of it, but he's no dummy either. Right, and he knows it sells records. He knows records are going to fly off the shelf when he does it too. Now, no wrong reason to do the right thing. Right, right? we're we, big we, into we, saying we, that. We, we, we've talked yep. about that before, where if you're doing the right thing, I mean, it's like, well, I guess doesn't make a difference to me, um, but I, I just can't necessarily like let Mel Gibson off the mat, where I know recently he said, well, it was 10 years ago, it was one episode of my life, and no, it wasn't, dude. No, it wasn't. If you're telling your wife that you're okay with her being raped by a pack of, 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 of enters is what you said then like Jeez. then no it, it wasn't one-off I had time forgotten in your about life that. I, right and, and no it wasn't so if you found the light and you feel like hey this is what i'm doing with my life good for you mel gibson but excuse me for not patting you on the back i you know i'm not looking to pat him on the back i just found it to be interesting and i and i think maybe what may have happened here there's obviously a little bit of looking to absolve your guilt for sure there is i think it would be crazy to deny that but the director of this, again, it's the Survivor Mitzvah Project, says Mel Gibson is helping Holocaust survivors in eight countries. It's remarkable, she says. I have great respect for people who turn their lives around, and I think that everyone makes mistakes in life. And I think the real proof of what kind of human you are is what you do with that mistake. He's educated himself. Sure. He's done He's done some work cha- now. He's done some charitable work now. And I think that actions speak very loudly as his actions have helped a lot of people. Yeah, I, all all that sounds good. I agree. I think honestly, you could be faced with your life completely crashing down around you. Realize that things that you have done and ideals that you have held have been wrong, and right. not only wronged other people, but have wronged you now. And that you could be shaken to your core of that and turn around, change. I think it's rare. I think that story's hard. I think because again, it takes a lot of personal involvement and working on yourself and most human beings are not great at that and i am with you in that fact that i'm hesitant with mel because of what is to be gained by you doing the right thing here and which again is like hacksaw ridge and being able to direct movie like i was shocked when the, when that movie came out and like movie studios were pumping millions of dollars to promote that movie, I was like directed by Mel Gibson. Like I was surprised that that was that 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 he had gotten another turn like that. Now America has a short attention span. There's no denying, and it. we this love redemption. Ten years ago, and dude, we love a good military story, and we love a good like right. yeah, dude. So uh, uh, you know, of course, somebody's gonna buy buy into Mel Gibson again. But like I said, I, I, don't look for a pat on the back from me. I'm glad you found your way to the light, but. Uh, it doesn't excuse what you've done. I just am going to choose to wish and to think 
that he's out there trying to do the right thing. I'm going to choose to view it that way. And I think these things are a choice. You can either be, you can either look and, and look for what people are doing wrong or highlight what they're doing right. I'm going to choose to think and hope that he's maybe made a turn in his life and doing things properly. We have corn tickets. We'll close out the program by giving them to you next. Hang on. 1069. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Before we end the program and pass out these corn tickets, I want to tell you about this. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's Super Bowl jersey was stolen. Yeah. And they had estimated that that thing could be worth like a half a, like a, like a, like a half a billion. They said like, uh, no, I'm sorry, half a million. Sorry. Right. Five, uh, yeah, $500,000 they felt like somebody could get on the open market for Tom Brady, which I don't know sure. how you would do it because, you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, I mean, the FBI was involved. Well, it's like stealing art. You know what I mean? Where, you gotta get a fence. Obviously, there's gotta be somebody out there that, uh, that's, yeah. that's in the, in the, in the, in the Jersey See? distribution business. I've seen all the movies. I know you need a fence. That's the dude who helps you, you know, move is that, it. Is that what it is? Yeah. I've seen White Collar. There I know how go. it goes. There you go. I know how it goes. They have found Tom Brady's Super Bowl 51 jersey. Praise Jesus. It has been recovered by the FBI. Now, Jay Glazer, who first reported the story, says the FBI teamed up with the NFL security team for the recovery. I am surprised that that was able to happen, dude. Take it out of an NFL locker room. I'm surprised. Yeah, because Brady's not only locker room, his locker, his bag. Right. He had been, there was video from Yahoo that said, of showing him, like rifling through the bag, saying, I know I put this in there. Now, my guess is Tom Brady did put his jersey in his bag, right? He knows that moment. He knows what just happened. He knows what it, what it means to his legacy. I'm telling you, I think he was very aware of where that jersey was. I mean, let's be real. Where that jersey belongs is in Canton, Ohio. Damn. You know right. what I mean? Like, that is a, yes. a historic performance from one of the all-time greats in a Super Bowl. Dude, there's a, a just a ton of history in that jersey. The NFL now says that the items were found in the possession of a credentialed member of the international media. Okay. Okay, because it's the Super Bowl, so everybody covers this thing. Of course. People from all countries. And they have found the jersey. Okay. And guess where it is? Surprise. Mexico. Yeah. So, you know, build the wall maybe to stop things from leaving. Build not the wall so, even higher. Not so much worried about bringing them in. Let's worry, let's worry about stuff leaving there. Build the wall Little Tom Brady jersey found in Mexico. I'm glad that's what the FBI is doing. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, dude, we got. I'm not going to get too political to, to end the program today, but we got a president that hasn't told the truth in 90 days, and the FBI's looking for Tom Brady's jersey. All right. Maybe, I mean, all right. I guess. I mean, they are law enforcement, you know, arm. Right. And something was stolen. Something of great value was stolen. And I get it. You know what I mean? You don't want Deputy Dewey looking for the looking for the Brady jersey, I guess. So yeah, I mean, but luckily, NFL security and the FBI teamed up together. Rest easy, America. And uh, I, from what I'm hearing, that the the items are now being returned to Tom Brady. I'm sure he and Giselle will be very happy about that. 
We do have corn tickets to end the program with, so let's pass those out. We'll take caller 20 right now at 1 800 243 7625. You're off to see corn August the 2nd out at Blossom Music Center, courtesy of the Stansbury Show and Rock 1069. Aside from that, we're done for the day. Be back at it live tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 1069. You guys have a great day.